1: Revely, revely, dogs! Look at us now, tip to tip. This is our life. This is our passion. That's the spirit we bring to this show. I'm Luke Thomas. I'm Brian Campbell. This is Morning Combat.
0: It's the seventh of September, twenty twenty-two, and we are old and pathetic. Hi, everyone. That's the name of this podcast. It was Morning Combat. We're changing it to old and pathetic. I am merely one half of your hosting duo. I join you from the capital of status Unidos, right here in Washington D.C. My name is Luke Thomas. I'm joined by the uh, the worst dad. <laughs> well, actually, he's a great dad, but he is just a pathetic loser as well. Look at this. Look at wow. look at how he is. I mean, who has more divorced dad energy for a married man in, on earth besides Brian Campbell right now? What's up, King?
1: Wow, Luke, this was a, a harsh opening here. Man. You know, you're like Deontay once said, you you speak it, you believe it, you receive it. Luke, you are washed. So uh, thank you very much. <laughs> um,
2: uh,
1: you know, I thought I'd bring the one love hat back into rotation to not only show off my high tea, but you know, it, it's, it's time. It's time to unify, Luke. Okay, let. let it's time for you and me. To get off of our angry soapboxes, stop pointing the finger at each other, and take this show to the next level.
0: God damn it! It certainly is. BC, I jacked my back up yesterday. I am in. A, I'm in. A, your boy's in a little bit of pain. Today. Why
1: are you blaming the Lord for that? Just curious.
0: I'm not. I'm just getting old. Sucks. Getting old sucks. Is really the only part about this that that matters. I'm just right. doing basic things, and then your back completely goes. Because
1: I right. talked to him, he said it's your fault all the way, dude. I yeah, mean, he pointed right, out a right things. You,
0: he's right. Yeah. He's not. He's, he's telling the truth. But you know, I, I'm gonna make it through today's show. Everything's fine. But uh, God, it sucks getting old. I want to remind everyone: uh, Showtime is the label that pays. You can go to Showtime.com, get a 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. Also, BC, we didn't talk about this. As I understand it, I think for an additional seven or eight bucks a month. You can add the Showtime tier to your Paramount Plus subscription. Yes. Uh, so you can actually get that together through Paramount or just Showtime on its own. Either way, you got some. They great call that a there.
1: bundle. I call it a fundle, Luke. Okay. It's a lot of good times and great oldies there. You get Paramount. I think you get CBS News. You probably get HQ, which you can already get for free. But you get my point. You get a lot of good shit. So shout out to our people at Showtime. And Luke, shout out to Showbox. The new generation, which is back with a bang, this Friday, Atlantic City. Your boy BC on the on the uh, on the mics there with uh, Barry Tompkins, Raúl Marquez, Steve Farhood. So very much looking forward to it. Thank you for that. Point.
0: Atlantic City, the land that time forgot. Enjoy that. <laughs> yeah. oh, well, I wonder. I wonder who has more bed bugs that place or Jersey City? Hard to say. Hard, Hard to, to say. say. Yes. Uh, I also want to remind folks. Let's see. You can follow us on all the socials. You can put the graphic up for that. We are on TikTok. Don't want folks to forget. You could check us out on the apparently the spying app that is tied to the Chinese government. I don't know. Uh, there's that as well. Morningcombat at gmail.com to reach the show. And of course, if you want some merch, you can go very easily morningcombat.store. But I got I to say, RJ uh Buns has not been on the morning calls. Telling us nope. about all the merch he's got cooked up for us. Where's he been, BC? Yeah, where's, where's our
1: been? discount codes? Where's our new merch that they keep... Te- new merch available now. Where- yo, yo, RJ, wh- where the hell is this, bro? What are you, Geraldo in front of the uh, Al Capone vault? Luke, how did I age myself with that reference?
0: You might have. Uh, but BC, now it's time to talk about our friends. You know them. We know them. they are two letters, one... Or I should say two letters, one number. AG1. AG1, our friends over at Athletic Greens... They take good care of us. BC, it's something you can do every day for your gut health, for your nervous system, for cold and flu
1: season. I love it. You love it. Uh, You know, I wish you would start taking it more often so you could get sick less often, Luke, because I'm not lying when I say I'm the only person in my house two consecutive times who avoided big illnesses. Is it because I take this one easy, green, great-tasting scoop of powder a day, mix it up with my water to start it, and get that mild, clean, tropical taste? I say yes.
0: Probably not. I doubt it has anything to do with that. Uh, But nevertheless, it can help with things like your immune system more generally. So it gives some benefit there. Obviously, energy recovery focus and something that is really plaguing me, as you can tell by the color of my hair, aging.
1: Yeah, all right. Well, I mean, you know, you, you go verbatim all year, and now you're like, you know, I don't think it could keep you that healthy, Luke. It is keeping me that healthy. Why? Because it's a special, I mean just
0: you. That's it.
1: Blend of ingredients that supports my gut health, my nervous system, my immune system, my energy, my recovery, my focus, my aging, and that could be you, not just me, folks. So why don't you join the revolution? That is AG1 Athletic Green. so easy to use. Look, I even take it with me on the road to Atlantic City for Showbox. I do stuff like that.
0: It's lifestyle friendly. Whether you eat keto, paleo, vegan, dairy free, or gluten free, contains less than one gram of sugar, no GMOs, no nasty chemicals, or artificial
1: anything, while still tasting good. You know what I like best about it, Luke? The price. It costs less than three bucks a day to invest in your health. It's even cheaper than your damn cold brew habit. And look, I know what they're thinking. Well, let me take these two old guys' word for it. How about you take the word of leading health experts like Tim Ferriss and Michael Gervais, or how about those 7,000 people that have given a five-star review to Athletic Greens because they're lying? No, because they've used it.
0: Right now, it's time to reclaim your health and arm your immune system with convenient daily nutrition, especially heading into the cold and flu season. It's just one scoop and a cup of water every day. That's it. No need for a million different pills or supplements to look out for your
1: health. And to make it even easier for you to get healthy, here's the deal. Athletic Greens is going to give the MK listeners for free a one-year supply of immune-supporting vitamin D. Comes in droplet form, easy to use, and that five free travel packs we talk about with your first purchase. Go to athleticgreens.com slash morning combat. I mean, Luke, you know, it's up to you. Do you want to live?
0: do you want to live yes again that is athleticgreens.com slash morning combat to take ownership over your health and pick up your ultimate daily nutritional insurance All i mean right, look,
1: hang out in a cemetery or a dimly lit bar people are dying left and right do you want to live that's the question come with me
0: if you want to live isn't that what the terminator said
1: yes yeah the well, Sarah been, to the chopper that's what that was more of a predator line but yeah that was yeah. predator
0: yes that was predator same actor For some reason, cyborgs from the future have an Austrian accent. I don't really know what the programming there is, but it worked. The programming Uh, there is called
1: steroids, Luke. Thank you very much.
0: (laughs) All right. All right. With that in mind, let's get things going here. Topic number one. Of course, this is our first show of the week. Now, we did have a reaction show for UFC Paris, which I did. We did, of course, have the RSD with Antonio McKee. And I want to point out, we had the resume review with Nate Diaz as well, so it's not like you haven't had some content about the week, but this is our first show. So BC, very quickly, let's start with you. Let's start with that main event before we get to, of course, the fights coming up this weekend. We had UFC Paris. We start with the excuse me with the main event. Cyril GaN getting the finish over tai Tuivasa, although Ty hurting Cyril GaN in a way that no one else had at to this point. What was your Thoughts about what happened in the main event.
1: First of all, what a freaking great piece of entertainment that those two produced. The backdrop, the soundtrack of that Paris crowd and the yearning of the French audience to have a in-person UFC event. You certainly felt that through the screen, just like you know London a couple cards before in this current run in the UK. But look about Paris about this fight. Uh, God needed this, Luke. He actually needed this. It's weird to say. Did he need to get, you know, knocked down and and concussed in the moment, which he admitted afterwards? It wouldn't have have been plan A. But here's the thing, Luke. You and I were talking ahead of this fight, and I like on the broadcast that they ended up sharing Gan and his team being open about some of his deficiencies, and they settled upon this. Maybe a lack of a killer instinct. Maybe at times he can be a point fighter because he has such great advantages. He can hit without being hit. And it's easy to go the, it ends up being easy for him to a certain degree when he's going downhill and he's controlling all the terms. We needed to see him, A, in a fight in which he wasn't controlling the terms, and suddenly he wasn't when he was knocked down. B, I had some questions saying, look, we don't know if he has a backbone. Good Lord, did he answer that here? But I think, you know, even more than that, Luke, did he have pressure like I kind of teased and you poo-pooed? about maybe living up and playing for the for the French crowd. You could argue that given the historical precedent of the moment. I think it was more about him absorbing the loss against Ngano and what he didn't do, taking stock of his game. And again, never would have wanted to walk into Tuavasa's punch and get hurt. But it ended up playing into his hands where afterwards, after a brutal, violent, spectacular finish of a guy who just won't go away into Ivasa, when Gon speaks into the microphone at the press conference and basically says, hey, enough of this John Jones talk, how about me for the Nganu rematch? He's actually got an argument in this case because, Luke, he improved. I don't want to say improved leaps and bounds, but he changed the way we look at his potential ceiling by answering some key questions we had because we just hadn't seen him in these type of moments. You're giving me a weird face, but we hadn't seen him have to come back and prove his toughness. Boy, did he show that here and how he answered and shook off the damage that he took, which seemed pretty legit from that one punch. But it was the intention of going for the knockout. Now, Luke, you can easily argue that knockout came more of Tuivasa making it happen by being all over him. Okay, that, that could be part of it. But I think this was gone trying to reverse his fortune, knowing how good he is, and showing us that he can chase, go after, and get the knockout if needed. And I think I exit this fight with his stock being so much higher for still being the the potential long-term future and face of this division because I'm watching him in the moment fill in some of the holes. Now, look, he didn't go out and wrestle for five rounds. Like We don't really know if he has made gains in that area. But did this not answer those key questions we had coming in, Luke? I mean, I know I predicted Engano would wrestle against Gone, Woodley would finish Till. I mean, I've been on a roll lately. I kind of predicted we would see a little bit more offensive. <laughs> Woodley and Till quite quite recently. And I didn't expect it to be this great. I mean, Luke, that finishing shot was hellacious. This is what he needs to do to ultimately separate himself from the killers currently atop of this division. He just showed us he can do that. That's big to me, dude. Talk me off the Cyril gone ledge that you helped build.
0: I'll tell you that if your argument is in rallying after uh, Tuivasa dropped him that he showed something new, I'll agree to that. I'll agree to that. I think that's definitely true. But I don't really share your sense overall. I mean, do I think he improved his standing with the fans by virtue of chasing the fight in the way that he did probably probably this is one more is more memorable finishes i think you could say that right that's all fine and good i think i would agree with that but you could actually make an argument that his striking has a regressed and b in the central questions about what actually will hold him back from getting the title you didn't see anything tested here at all at all like had nothing here had anything to do with that in fact after this fight, Curtis Blades was like calling him out and I don't think Gon wants any part of it, which is understandable. He's ranked below him. He's already sitting in number one contender spot. He wants to leapfrog John Jones. Like I get it, but I'm gonna go back to it before, like that's the real test to me, quite candidly, about what is lacking in okay. Cyril Gon's game. It, you're, you're talking about like he went for it. He went for it against a guy where he was a minus five hundred favorite. Play that against someone else who's much more dangerous, who has much more levels of the game oh, to don't, play. Oh, don't do that.
1: Can I critically cross-examine you, Luke? Sure. Okay, a few things here. I had already hinted at the idea, no, we didn't end up learning certain ground advancements. I will hedge that. Now I'm suddenly becoming Gon's biggest protector here, but I will hedge that by saying <laughs> he's only, a what, four or five years into this game and is growing rapidly? He clearly answered the question about toughness and in intention to me. That I think you're you're overlooking too easily, Luke. He may have had finishes in the past, you know. Derek Lewis was a big one to to get the interim strap, but you know that was a Derek Lewis that kind of imploded in front of us and ultimately seemed to get stopped by the volume of what Gon does best. So while you're saying you thought Gon striking, what, what was the word you used? Regress you, I said you could degree. make the
0: argument from his certainly from his Muay Thai days. You could make the argument that striking striking
1: okay, but yes. but let's be fair here. Did it regress from the previous performances in which he was able to control the terms and completely and just dance and paint these guys up? Yes, but look, not every fight you're going to be able to win like that, including what we just saw against Francis Ngannou. At this level, it's different. So I think you have to look a little further, even if it was a regression in your eyes in in the damage he took on and the chances he took you're going to have to take those chances to finish these killers at this level. I saw him show an ability and a want to do that. And I don't even like, even though I've been almost the biggest critic of Tuivasa's true um, upper bound limits, if you will, I almost feel like you're showing throwing unnecessary shade here by bringing up the betting odds only because what did Tuivasa show us in this fight? One, that he's Patience. the ultimate TV fighter, if we didn't already know it. But two, Luke that there is a deep-rooted cyborg level of recuperative skills. I mean, it's almost gechi like to keep coming back until you make him go away like Eddie Alvarez and Dustin Poirier originally did to that version of Gechi. where he, to me, this was almost a moral victory for Tuivasa in many ways, Luke. He showed that he can do exactly what he does, which is caveman you, land one big strike, and potentially change the fortunes of a major fight, I never, ever would have guessed he could do that against somebody who could move like Gon, and he came out and did that. So not only do I now have to readjust the limitations I'm putting on Tuivasa in terms of who his style actually can work against. Look, it may be able to work to a certain degree against everybody. I think you have to put some respect back on the real challenge that Gon faced because Tuivasa was able to land, was able to put on pressure, was able to strike clean, and then the fact that Gon dug deep, found his, his violent mode and got him the fuck out of there, dude, this was triumphant. You got to get off your technical critical ass and just reward what we saw there.
0: Yeah, I don't really, I mean, I, it's a nice win. It's a nice win. But to me, like the thing that was holding him back was not that he had the inability to the striking was, was, was some kind of issue that really is not the problem. And to me, knocking out a guy when you take more risks over a guy you are, you know, yes, he was heavily favored to win, but just stylistically, it's not a good matchup for Taito Ivasa anyway. I'm not saying it's easy to do. It's very difficult to do. I, I, I accept and recognize he took risks to get there. But if we're talking about the thing that held him back from the title, this didn't give you any indication about any of it going forward, which isn't to say he hasn't addressed it, BC. That's not my argument either. I'm just saying... The thing that held him back against Francis that I think will, could rear its ugly head again if he fights a Jones, if he fights a Miocic, uh, which is very speculative, obviously. But still, those things are out there. Certainly, if he fights a Curtis Blades, you didn't get any answer about that whatsoever. So like to me, it's like, oh, he was better than Tuivasa striking. and even had to rally a little bit after getting hurt. That's, that's noteworthy. But that's nah, not, to bro. me, as significant a finding as what we would have had had he gone up against a guy like Curtis Blades, who would have given so, us a much better picture about what is actually possible.
1: This is a case of where you're not wrong because, again, those are still unanswered questions. We saw him lose to Francis because of ground game. That's still in play for Blades, yes. But, Luke, you're telling me you saw this same inten- intention in him previously, that if he's got an opportunity to finish a guy, that he's willing to take on a little bit of risk and maybe even damage to do that? I just that? don't. I don't, Luke, I, don't think that's ne- I
0: don't think that's nearly as interesting or as informative as you seem to find it.
1: Okay, so let's say he gets into another fight like the Francis fight in which his plan A, which is essentially to point fight you from distance and just beautifully outstrike you, that gets taken away or compromised either by wrestling or by him being hurt. Yeah. Now we know that he can dig down into that place, Luke. You can't look at him and just say point fighter. I don't see how you can look past the the what that also says about him. Because, Dude, Luke, think about it. More if he rematches Genghanu, accepting,
0: accepting more risk against a guy you're much better than is fun for exciting fights, but it doesn't tell you all that much. You want it to mean a lot. I don't think it means that much. I,
1: really I don't, don't think he can. I don't think the the gone before this fight could beat Francis Ngannou with his A-game. I think if he's going to beat Ngannou in the rematch, he's going to, yeah, he's going to have to show a ground game. Yes, Luke. But he's going to have to show that he can and is willing to legitimately hurt and maybe stop Ngannou or Jones or Miocic. Luke, this is—what are, are the lacks dude, in his game Taitui coming Vasa in? Dude,
0: is significantly more hittable than any of the guys you mentioned.
1: But significantly more durable, Luke.
0: Yes, th- yeah, dude, t- Francis is durable as shit. Miochic put a beating on him for 25 minutes and couldn't put him away. Like, this is what I mean. It's like, oh, he opened up against the guy he had significant advantages over. Okay, that's not nothing— you know what the what you're fuck doing? I got to do with any of these other fights? Nothing. You're
1: being, you're being your dad right now. You're like, oh, good job, son. You scored 20 <laughs> points in the JV game. Fucking do it on varsity then. No, Luke, we learned something here. Okay, Luke, no, we did. I mean, we learned Taito a lot. Iwasa
0: is a very tough challenge. But opening up against him is not the same thing as opening up against any of these other guys. And to me, doing it in your home crowd like that, like that is impressive and important. I recognize that. But it's like, what did we learn about its potential upside? Very little. So I should say this. What did we learn new about it? Okay, he could rally from getting knocked down. That I will give you. That was that was amazing. Um, but in fact, he even said after the fact that someone asked him, hey, who's a harder hitter, Francis or Ty? And he said, Ty, but... With the caveat that, like Francis, didn't hardly lay a glove on him. Yeah, do you think he's just gonna walk into the lion's den and and put himself at more risk where Francis can hit him? I I, no, don't, I don't believe. But
1: that. sometimes fights go there, Luke. And now we know that he that he's comfortable there. Like I can't believe you're missing this, Luke.
0: I'm not. I'm not missing it. You want me to overstate its significance, and I just don't want to do that.
1: I want you to give the restaurant a five star Zagat rating. You're like, well, I didn't really <laughs> like the napkins. You know, I mean, come on.
0: I'm not saying that. It's a fine performance, and it was good for that market. The French crowd was insane, which was great to see. And to your point, again, he rallied after getting hit in a way that I think would have unnerved a lot of other competitors. But as it relates to the guys in front of him that he has to fight to, I think, recapture what he hasn't to this point, I don't know that that performance by itself tells us a whole lot. That's my only position. However, BC, what I will say is, what did you make of that co-main event? Robert Whitaker defeating Marvin Vittori, and I got to say – Careful first round, fair enough. Second round, you see Whitaker start to pull away. Third round, I thought he hurt Vittori with that head kick worse than I've ever seen anyone hurt Vittori during his entire UFC run. Robert Whitaker looked phenomenal in this contest. True Luke, or false? Did,
1: I, did I not predict this exactly, that Whitaker would dominate one-sided but still win a three-round decision? I, I mean, I'm I'm not surprised, mother effer. Uh, Whitaker is... As he said, you know, aside from the champion, he's the baddest dude in this division. And he, even historically, Luke, you know, Anderson Silva, middleweight GOAT for sure. But, like, this is why I want Whitaker and to sign to end up in a trilogy because, Luke, these are the these are the guys of this era. He is levels above. his, And he knew it. That's why he wasn't rattled when Vittori tried to get in his face. Luke, to me, even though people are saying, like, holy crap, man, Whitaker's still really damn good, except for those two fights in which it was close, but or you know, not close in the first one, but except for Adesanya kind of having his number. I actually came away from here with the other side of it saying Vittori's got like legitimate questions to answer of himself ask of himself in the mirror because look, he he's he's trying against the elites to almost act not like a point fighter. I mean he's putting on pressure. But I don't see a a delivery system in getting off the explosive nature of his game. Like, he's got an explosive personality. He comes in there aggressive. He lives and dies by his chin. He does have, if he's able to take you down, Whitaker is not going to be the type of guy you can manhandle, though. He does, obviously, can get you down and can work the top game. But I almost feel like he's going to have to look in the mirror and ask himself, do I need to dumb down my style and my ambitions to try to be as elite as these foes and think, look, you know, if I'm gonna be in there for 15 minutes with a guy skills-wise this much better than me and I'm not closing that gap, I gotta go for it. I gotta inflict damage. He's a big mother effort, Luke, and he comes in there with an attitude, but I don't see that translated into the way he tries to get his offense off. I almost feel like somebody told him he's at this level in terms of his skills and his striking. And it's become now twice a harsh reminder that he isn't. Luke, am I being a total jerk and this is about Whitaker's greatness? I mean, I still think there's time for Vittori, but not not this road, not this way that he's doing it.
0: I think we're mostly in agreement about Vittori. Here was here what I said in BC, tell me if you think this is on or off. Which was like, I, I don't know enough video games to know if this analogy is correct. But if you were looking at the individual pieces of Vittori's game, you would rate each piece Fairly high, right? Like, how good is his striking? It's not the best in the division, but it's good. How's his wrestling? Again, far from the best in the division, but it's good. Cardio, actually, I would put that as very good. He trains very hard. Physicality, very good. But in terms of the skills of fighting, jiu-jitsu, wrestling, striking, all that kind of stuff, everything he does is good, but it's very conventional. It's, it's, just, it's stuck to the basics. He doesn't have the development of any one particular skill that really gives him an edge over his competitors. He has a decent rating in all of the different parts of the game, but no ace in the hole. And even as he combines them all, it just sort of combines to be a very conventional game. He goes for press doubles against the fence. He's sort of jabbing and one twoing his way inside, kicking a sort of you know leg kicking on the inside, a little bit of head kicking here. And then there's nothing super sophisticated sitting up. He does it like Charles Oliveira. I've talked about this before. He didn't just add new dimensions to his game. Right? He actually dialed back the jiu-jitsu a little bit to let the other parts come to life, but he really, 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 really worked on his skill development. It seems to me that still in his 20s, Marvin Vittori has the physical tools and a good foundation. I do think he's got a good foundation, BC, but the thing I think that is missing for me is he just really hasn't had time or he hasn't fully developed any particular part of the overall MMA game, striking, wrestling, whatever one he wanted to do. Which again would just really be a problem because he is so far ahead of his competitors with it. He has no, he has, he's a jack of all trades, master of none to a fault. I would argue, yeah, because right? you want to no. be well balanced in MMA, but that's what's missing for me.
1: That's a more po- polite way to say it, yeah, for sure. And um, look, it's like for somebody that tries to play the you know jab and counter game with somebody like Whitaker, and you saw the results. He doesn't have the head movement or defense to attempt that type of stretch. You know what I'm saying? So there are right. sort. While he's fairly even across the board and maybe lacking something spectacular, I think the the defensive hole against the elites is wide open in that regard. Luke and luckily for him, he's so tough that he's able to hang in there. And but it, if if he's going to be that tough and be willing to take that pun- that level of punishment. I want to see him swinging big on the other side, and at least making it making it more of a risk reward for his opponents on you know walking him down and surgically picking him apart. Because I never felt like Whitaker was in any level of danger.
0: Yeah, but that's see when it comes to that though, that to me I give a credit to Whitaker because if you're Vittori, you can say oh go for it, but go for it like just uh, you know you're barely moving about. Like the point, the problem is that he can't find him. And when he tries to find him, he misses. And then when he not only misses, he gets countered big time. And he's trying to avoid that, not in some kind of self-preservation way, just in a this-doesn't-work kind of way. He could not find an actual way to put meaningful offense together. That is the result of having, and he even said it in Italian afterwards when they translated it, that was an elite opponent he had. That's a very elite opponent. So BC, let me ask you this question, bringing it back to Robert Whitaker. We've got Izzy taking on Pereira here in just a couple of months not far from where we are right now in between us, as a matter of fact. Where does Robert Whitaker fit into that fight? Because if Izzy wins, he might go to 205, but you could maybe do a third Robert Whitaker fight. I don't know if the champ wants it, but that's on the table. But if Pereira wins, are they going to give Izzy an automatic rematch because he's been undefeated for so long? And if so, where does Whitaker go from there? How do you think he fits into that picture?
1: Yeah, this is a a different situation than the same type of Sort of bottleneck title picture discussions we have, and it's you know it's obviously rare for somebody to be talking about getting a third fight with somebody they lost twice to. Yet suddenly it feels like not as it feels like we're talking about a lot more. You know, what I mean, we just saw Volkanovski and Holloway get it. We were talking about Ioana and Rose for a while. Like it seems like we're we're now bringing this idea back into the fold. It makes more sense for Whitaker because he's of that ilk—not only a former champion, but he's showing you time and again the three fights between the Adesanya losses, and now this one. That he's just short of that level, and what what level am I talking about? Adesanya being on his way to being one of the greatest, that level. Like he's just short of that. To some, I mean, he's a, he's a he's a great Luke. So I personally again believe if Adesanya wins, there's really, and I don't I don't think the the, the UFC would have the leverage to make it. Like at least here's the deal: the Max versus Volkanovsky rivalry. At least there were a lot of us, a lot of us saying in the second fight, man, I really thought Holloway won it. By the way, I still think Whitaker won the second fight against Adesanya. I just don't see that same push from the media and fans, you know, as if that's actual currency to the matchmaking. Sometimes it is. Most likely it's not. But, I, you know, maybe because Max is so beloved, there seemed to be more of a call for that third fight to sort of answer some question of did we get it wrong, where people aren't saying that about the Whitaker-Adesanya rivalry. Maybe it's because the first fight ended a knockout, or maybe it's because people didn't score it as close for Whitaker as I did. But I don't think Adesanya has anything to gain by fighting him a third time, and I don't think the UFC could really put the pressure on to leverage this. It would just make so much more sense given how he's cleaned out the division for Adesanya to move up with a win. If he loses, yes, we're going to have an interesting discussion. Is it the kind that needs an immediate rematch, or could you see Whitaker instantly subbed in? If I'm the promotion, Luke, I do that. Why? Because either way you're going to get an Adesanya rematch to the title after that, right?
0: Yep, you could do that. I
1: mean, yeah. but it depends. It depends. Okay, let's say Podeda knocks. Let's say Adesanya controls for a round and a half and then gets knocked out. You kind of got to go back to Adesanya at that point, probably, right? It's a little bit more. I don't know. If, I like, think if
0: Adesanya gets put out, I, I, they might move on. I know mean, it sounds crazy and probably maybe I'm wrong. I, I, it's hard to know exactly what they might do because here's the thing. If, uh, if Izzy is now in a place where I can certainly recognize after his fight against Kananir, the fans are a little bit displeased with him, right? And so there wouldn't this, would there be a big push for Izzy to get a rematch in terms of the fan sentiment, the commercial appeal? I don't know about that. I don't know, especially if he gets his lights put out completely. So it's hard to say exactly if he gets, if he gets robbed or it's very close, then that might be different, but um, let's not forget Nunes
1: Shevchenko in this discussion as well of fights that went one, one way. And now we're trying a third, but, um, that You know, let's say Podeta wins, you know, by decision and just kind of out out everything's him but doesn't knock him out. Then you send Whitaker in there, Luke, okay? Then you get Adesanya in a get-well fight, and then you suddenly got Adesanya versus either guy in a rematch that we we must frickin' see. So, um, damn, Luke, put some—I mean, we gotta—I always had respect on him, but I hope the world's putting some respect on the Reaper's name, Luke. I mean, just one of the most resilient, well-rounded, tough as shit, uh, technically elite— not better than Adesanya has not proven that in two fights that he's better, Luke. But one of the greats, we're watching it live in person. One of the greats here.
0: Just a guy who, and you know, if you watch boxing, you get you get a lot more of this. Obviously, obviously it's a it's a more limited form of striking in the sense of the options that it has. But you know, you see a guy like Bud Crawford, and he's got a lot of different tools. But his timing—I go back to his finish of Kel Brook, and I know Kel, you know, was certainly a, a diminished version of himself by the time he fought Bud Crawford. But I go back to it. Look at the punch that Bud Crawford threw that that sent him packing, it was, I mean, he threaded the tiniest of needles. Robert Whitaker, I'm not saying he's got Bud Crawford timing, but what he has, in terms of MMA striking, he has exquisite, exquisite timing where he is also able, in a very similar, not identical kind of way, to thread a very difficult needle to thread with his timing. You, in fact, even heard... The commentary team bc talk about it it's not like he's got a ton of different weapons he's not throwing all different kinds of shit you just can't keep up with it it's a sort of a it's a it's a relatively basic amount of options but the way in which he sets it up is so clever so well timed so disguised so perfectly placed that you know you're just watching it's you ever seen that um the the documentary jiro dreams of sushi this dude who makes sushi in the tokyo subway He's just he doesn't make a ton of different kinds of things, but what he does, the craftsmanship around it is super, super high. That's Robert Whittaker to me.
1: Yeah, I agree, Luke. That's how I try to envision myself. I'm I'm really not good at anything important in life, Luke, but my ridiculousness is brilliant.
0: You look so pathetic with that sad beard.
1: Oh, come and on. I thought you were gonna insult my hat. The the beard hat, you know, high T combo, Luke. It's I mean, you know.
0: Is this the Brian Campbell, I haven't showered this morning combo? No,
1: fresh from the shower, okay? Fresh okay. from the barbershop and fly from the beauty salon. Yeah, believe me. All you right. want know why, Luke? Because right. basketball courts in the summer got girls there, okay?
0: yeah, They certainly do, and they're not yeah. looking for you. Uh, last but not least from the <laughs> Weekend BC, uh, Ruiz Jr., Andy Ruiz, getting the job done against Luis Ortiz. Although it's kind of funny, Andy Ruiz drops him three times and wins a close, a close decision how would you see this fight playing out, BC?
1: Yeah, I, I saw it playing out exact, kind of exactly as it did, where, yeah, Ruiz, the rightful winner, uh, when he counters and explodes the speed, Luke, it's hard for heavyweights to pick up. Ruiz, not known as a huge puncher, but when he lands clean with these kind of counter shots that he's loading up, man, it does damage. But outside of those, man, I, I kind of scored it like everybody else did. Six rounds to six would have been a draw. Now, that's easy to say. I thought Ortiz at 43, and obviously some people believe he's really 58, Luke just fought his heart out. You know what I mean? He's just not the same guy as, like, let's say, the the first Wilder fight. But, man, does he exhaust every option to try to win, whether it's trying to rally in the 12th or just boxing a really smart fight. Uh, It's interesting. Ruiz is still, you know, heavily flawed uh, and a bit overrated and underrated at the same time, meaning he's not going to be, you know, outclassed and destroyed by the elites. But if he's going to beat them... I wonder if he's got to continue to, to kind of you know find that spot in the Death Star like he did when he upset AJ in the first one. I don't see him throwing enough punches. He, he wasn't in the same shape that he was last fight uh, against Ariola, which he was with Canelo's trainer. They put on some weights and send third trainer in three consecutive fights, and it was like there was a lot of good to like. Would I love him against Deontay Wilder if he gets Bass Telenius. Hell yeah, dude. That is a fan-friendly yet still mm-hmm. important for the title picture heavyweight fight that's like... Slam dunk, pay-per-view, make it, we'll, we'll buy it, we'll enjoy it. But he fights in, in in somewhat of an all-or-nothing way because he's just not busy enough. Like, this was not convincing. And, you know, it's clear because of the knockdowns, but he takes too much time off, doesn't commit to getting in shape. Luke, he could be, and we've been saying this about his career, by the way, all back, you know, a decade ago. He could be really good if he can put it all together. He put it all together for one night. And in sort of a perfect storm of circumstances, but still not like all the way there to what I believe getting the most out of himself. I don't think you can disagree with that. Luke.
0: I don't think I disagree with that at all. And in fact, I got to say, like, I know that there was a narrative about how hard he had trained. Did he look like way more in shape to you? I, I don't know that he looked as in shape as I was expecting.
1: We got fooled. Those, those, those poses he did in that Fox, um, you know, PR video that was put out, that sizzle reel, you could see the abs, but he's also bending forward and flexing. When he stands up straight, this is the same size he was um, first, for the first first Joshua fight. First Joshua fight, which same exact weight, right? So maybe yeah. he's a little bit more toned. But like once he walked on the ring, I was like, oh, I was fooled by that video. He's this is not the same guy. I mean, even in the weigh-in, he looked good. But you know, he might have been cutting, you know, a little bit at the, you know to sometimes heavyweights look the last two days they'll cut a little bit and then put it on put it back on. But um. No, man, if he... get, Look, it's a different story if he gets in shape. Now, look, he still got dropped by Ariola, who was, you know, to some degree, a walking corpse, although I'll give him and Joe Goosen credit for that <laughs> performance. But if he's not going to commit to that shape, he can't win against the Elite. I, I don't think he can, Luke. He, you know, no, like...
0: I agree, I agree. He needs to be in better shape, although I will say, BC, his tattoos were good. They were very good. The black no, and gray, no, they were great. Not, no, Especially his
1: ass tats. I mean, I like the Jesus tat and the crosses on the side, you know, but his... His tats are—they're not my style, Luke. I mean, I've seen his ass, and I, Luke, I really, I, seriously, you know, I look at, I look at the watermelon vape as a, as a playful character flaw. You know, you're, you, outside of that, you got strong morals. You're a great teammate, but you know, your love of ass tats is just, along with death metal, is just. I just don't, I don't think I'm going to be able to understand it. Will it be enough to break us apart? I don't think so, Luke. But I, you know, if I have to stand on that mountain alone, I will. But how do you, you know, as for you and your house? How do you stand by this, this belief that not only do you like the look, but you, you want and need your own ass cheeks to have a man with a needle up right around the rim, Luke, right? Like you're like you're a spud web at the 86 dunk contest, just barely over that rim, Luke. I don't, I don't, I don't see it. I, I, I don't get it. In fact, I think there's something wrong with you.
0: Yeah, I know, but you have a lot of stupid ideas.
1: Okay, that's Dana White level deflecting. The deflecting. Okay, so what do you got here? What it's do you like, got, dude? What's-
0: why would you want a beautiful tattoo covering parts of your body? I don't know. There's probably a lot of good reasons. It wouldn't be for everybody. Yeah, but-, but
1: dude, this isn't like a heart on your ass cheek. This is the inner lining. This is grundle. This is like the full,
0: you know. Well, I mean, I don't know exactly how fa- exactly how far Andy Ruiz went, but again, I've talked about this before. Covering these parts of your body have both historical significance and they have artistic significance. For scale of what you're trying to do, like just getting it above your belt line can look really weird. So getting right, it let's to stay scale here. doesn't.
1: Historical significance. What are we talking about? It's a tribute to the warriors of of the, what col- the, the, way, time. the
0: way the way the the, the 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 there's different kinds of bodysuits you can get, but they some they some of the original tattooing around Japanese style. Getting the full bodysuits, This goes back centuries. I mean, it's not something that they just decided was fun um there's a historical play into it again it's not for everyone but like the idea that it's like automatically stupid or something is kind of bizarre i don't quite get well, no
1: okay okay i'm not going to be ignorant on that you see a lot of, like in the polynesian culture tattoos are a direct that, right
0: look at I'm, I'm I'm, imagining he's got one as well
1: yeah all right uh, all right well look okay luke I, it's fucking weird okay i'm sorry it is at the end of the <laughs> day all right thank you very much thank you all right all thank right you. They want uh, luke, to quickly along. Quickly yes. Esau Cruz uh blew away that dude in the Coleman event, called out tank. You saw Gervonta shake his head. Um at the very least, Cruz deserves a huge name, Luke. I mean, this is a good this is a really good performance.
0: Yeah, he dusted the guy off in two. By the way, it's that that video was trending on YouTube as well. The number one video though. Was Nate Diaz and his interview that he had, but yes, I agree that um, Isaac Cruz looked unbelievable. But there's really no interest in a fight with Gervonta at this point.
1: No, so I, I don't. Movie. I don't see it. And also, Abner Morris came back after that long layoff. Uh, yeah, f- looked so good great. early. F- fought his way to a draw against Miguel Flores. Um, I don't know what he's going to do from here, Luke. But if if just getting back here and doing that was what he needed to scratch the itch, there were there were a lot. To, there's a lot to like in that performance, even though he faded. Luke, there was.
0: All right, let's go to topic number two. So as I mentioned, that is actually currently in the United States, the number one trending video on YouTube, which is Nate Diaz spoke to our colleague Brett Okamoto of ESPN and raised a number of issues. Now, by the way, BC, as it stands at the moment, we have Hamzat Shemaev at roughly a minus 1,000 or so uh, favorite. Nate Diaz is a plus 700 underdog. Diaz talked about taking this fight and putting over Hamzat, so to speak. Quote, what they've got me doing right now is they're acting like I called for this fight, which I didn't call for and don't want and didn't want and still don't want, but I don't give an F. I'll fight anybody, but the pressure's on him. He better finish me because he's the next killer in town. And if I whip his ass, they're going to say, oh, he wasn't the best in town, but they're not going to let me go. Uh, I asked for 20 fights, 10 fights, 15 fights. The This fight is not even about this guy. It's about the making of this guy. It's about the making of this MFR. and I'm like, okay, well, you guys aren't going to let me go because I'm the best fighter here, and you're not going to let me go unless it's off of somebody. I've got to make somebody for you. All right, you're welcome. Let's make this guy. You're welcome, Dubai. You're welcome, all you MFers. You're welcome. This is just my halftime show. I'm just getting started. Now, BC, it's kind of weird that Diaz would say that he didn't want this fight when, in fact, I was told that he had specifically requested it. I, I spoke to some folks close to Diaz yesterday about these comments. And what they basically told me was, and you heard him talk about it, so this is what I want to pitch to you. He did in fact ask for the Chandlers, for the Fergusons, who, by the way, is on this card as well. They couldn't do that for whatever reason. I don't know what the story is there. The the Poiriers, you name the Luques, you name it, they wouldn't give him that. And apparently what so what ended up happening was that Nate was like, well, I got to do something for them in order for them to give me a fight at a reasonable time. So he just thought, who's the toughest, craziest guy that the UFC has that they want to promote? Let's just call him out. They called UFC up and said that they this is what they wanted, and then they ended up getting it, I think. I don't know what the UFC was anticipating at that point, but they seemed to like the idea. So it's a bit of both, right? He didn't want it, but I think forced into it, he took it. What do you make, or forced into it, what do you make of these comments from Nate Diaz?
1: Yeah, we got more of these comments to get into specifically, but I'll start generically, and, and that was, I think, the juiciest nugget of him revealing in that comment to Brett, who's not our colleague, Luke, is my former colleague though. Well,
0: MMA media colleague, maybe right? my
1: colleague like under Joanna's, you know, gauging of the best looking journalist in mixed martial arts. I think you but...
0: want to bang him more than Joanna does.
1: I, I truly believe that. <laughs> wow. 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 I mean, you know, I mean, Brett, you, you don't have to wear the tightest dress shirts and then like lean back on the couch for these. You know what I mean, guy? Okay. You know, yeah. There you go. All right, look, let's talk here. The narrative UFC's putting out on this fight is that the old legend against the young riser, and the old legend once again wants to kill the hype of the UFC's next like made man, like you did against Connor. But the the reality that we've been painting leading up to this interview, and be and the reason why I put so much onus on this interview is because outside of the quotes he gave UFC Countdown, I don't think Nate's talked to anybody else before this. So this is really like the first... right. He did spoke he,
0: to Ariel. He did a long interview with Ariel a few weeks ago, right? A
1: few weeks ago? Okay. Um, I'd have to revisit that. Apologies to Ariel. I, I, I must have must have forgot that. But here's the deal, Luke. The narrative we painted was... You know, oh, dirty UFC! This guy's been trying to get out of his deal by forcing you to give him a fight for a year, right? He fought. What well, didn't he fight uh, Edwards in April of 2021? You go back over his Twitter profile. It's just constant. Give me this fight. I want Chandler. Give me anybody. Cut me. Do whatever. So they're feeding him to the largest lying to damage his brand and give Hamzat his fans on the way out, and that is the narrative we all stuck with. Although Nate's comments here saying. I didn't ask for it, dude. UFC's you know, telling every, essentially lying and telling everybody that I did tends to double down on that narrative. Watching this as a whole, Luke, and, and look, I mean, it's a Diaz brother interview. So meaning at face value, you can watch it and in, in, in not figure out if he's like the street hero or he's just crazy and ignorant. Like he can contradict himself every other sentence and there's a major contradiction coming up. But in this quotes that we're going to go to, but I'm like, wait, is Nate actually the victim here, Luke? Is he hack- I mean, I know like his story should be the the poster story right now in this in this narrative window here of like fighter pay being a constant topic. We did the resume review, which I hope people are checking out on YouTube.com/slash Morning Combat of Nate's great career, and we specifically fight by fight leading up to the two Connor fights and the call out after the Michael Johnson fight was just like unbelievably low base salary 30 you know 30 to show no bonus or whatever it was yet he's main eventing in a title fight on fox in front of three and a half million people you know time and again so i've always looked at him as like this victim and they're holding him back and this fight is about him giving the ultimate fu dude i'm serious after this interview i'm not sure how much of it is him just being in his own way like luca let's be really blunt here about nate diaz okay okay Is it that he's so true to, like, his natural default beliefs, which is, like, you know, street taught, a gangster way? Or are all these comments that fill this interview about him being the greatest fighter of all time and, you know, almost doing a Chael Sonnen bit that he's never lost, is he a little disillusioned and ignorant like, because when you see all these awful contracts getting signed, and I know you know history will tell you he had a front-loaded tough deal coming into the UFC in 2007 that did him no favors in the long run. But they're also negotiating and signing. I think UFC did him dirty by making him wait here so he didn't fight Jake Paul. But I'm not sure he's always his best advocate based on all of these quotes in this interview and really his history in interviews. Is, this, is he just so street, Luke, that that's what happens? Or is there something to that?
0: I'm not sure I understand the full nature of your complaint because well let me let me say what how I see it and you tell me what parts I'm either right or wrong on. Listen, I don't imagine that any fighter dealing with the UFC is always right. Not no one person, what they say is biblical, no one person's perspective always and in every way has to be acknowledged or, you know, respected, I suppose, as a sort of a baseline, but agreed upon, right? It's, everyone's got their own vision for themselves. And so I'm not going to sit here and present a case that the Diaz brothers, Nate or Nick, in, it, in their individual dealings with the UFC, have always been, you know, above reproach. That they've never been, they've never done anything wrong. I don't, I don't imagine that that's the case for anybody, including them. However, what I would say is, again, going through the resume review, we saw all those cases where he had, you know, constantly fighting someone else's backyard, constantly fighting for, certainly in the, that sort of middle third part of his career-ish space um uh i should say the yeah around the sort of the 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 second and third part of his career with that intersection moment but in any case fighting for low purses in this particular moment bc i don't really agree that there nate has a whole lot to atone for only because it wasn't like he was saying no wasn't the three years he had taken off he was trying to fight and he wasn't trying to fight somebody without a name or someone in some kind of... Yes, I know that he mentioned Francis Ngannou, but that was at... My understanding is that's a function of frustration from not getting the other relevant fights. I mean, consider the UFC already put together a fight between Diaz and Poirier that had fallen apart for other reasons. And again, if you want to put some blame on Nate for that, you may do so. But here he is trying to find it again. There was interest on the Poirier side. They didn't do it. Chandler, same thing. Ferguson, whatever the reason was for that, I don't know. It wasn't like he was trying to avoid tough or otherwise meaningful fights. The argument that he is making is what you want me to do is give my star power up to lift someone else up, which we kind of know is a little bit how the fight game works. Which he relented to it, but you know, keeping a guy under contract extra time, not agreeing to fights, even though he wants big name contenders that would certainly have been valuable or otherwise, you know, the, the fan base would have accepted. I don't understand personally. Again, again, help me to misunder- uh, understand what I'm missing. I don't right, see what, you what about missing. that
1: is so unforgivable. Here's the quotes that are fueling my new question about this situation. And look, I'm going on record. I've been on record. They they, they they did him dirty here by making him wait. He was willing to fight anybody, Luke. So now he's finally trying to fight their guy, and they even delayed that. But here are the quotes that kind of blew up the internet, taken out of context from this interview. I'm on Dana White's side too, Diaz said. It's all love. I understand business, so it's all good with me. Me and Dana always got along about everything too. And I'm not fucking inking real fighting, which is his new combat sports promotion he announced yesterday. We can get to that in a second. Because I'm against anybody, I'm not going anywhere or doing anything. I have no plan for what my next move is. If something happens in this fight, I might just have to re-sign to get a rematch. If I don't whip this motherfucker's ass now, then come on. Regardless of what happens, though, and say I leave or do whatever, the best fighters are in the UFC and have been in the UFC for a long time and will be for a long time, I'm sure. It doesn't mean the realest shit is happening in the UFC, but no matter what I do... I'm going to be in the UFC, end quote. Am I pulling that out of context and putting thing, meanings on it that it doesn't? I'm not saying he has to pre-fight, tell Dana White to F off. But if our narrative, Luke, is that he's been done wrong, he essentially just said, I got no issue with Dana White. Again, I'm not saying he has to, but he's essentially saying, you know, and if this fight's good, maybe we'll do it again. And, uh, you know, I'm going to be here forever. Look, He might just be trying to protect a bridge and not burn it. And maybe Dana and company are doing the same by talking so nice last night in the press conference about him. But, Luke, this does not line up with his counterculture actions or his, you know, anti-hero ways or even the poster boy of, like, got effed over and deserve better. This is him saying, you know, yeah, it's actually not that bad. I'll go back to the abuser, too, if necessary. Am I being too harsh here, Luke? That's that doesn't fit the persona that he's lived and died on to get to this point.
0: I mean, I I understand that it does seem somewhat contradictory. On the other hand, part of the way I look at it is, and you alluded to it, if you just look at the way Dana White is talking about Diaz now, boy, they are showering him with praise this week. And if you look at the countdown, I thought they made him look good on that. And again, why is everyone, why is there this comity all of a sudden last minute? It is very strange. I get the sense that I don't think a UFC return is on the table, certainly right now. But I get the sense, based on what Diaz is saying and what Dana is saying, that that's not off the table completely either. So it seems like they, if they can retain his services under some position, they will. Although, again, my best guess is that Dana, excuse me, that um, that Nate is going to seek free agency. But I don't know, man. Like, if you're 37 years old, you're at the end of your contract. You, you're going to be getting out. You've got this other stuff going on. Who knows if he will get a boxing fight with Jake Paul down the road? If that's the thing that he wants. Like, are you supposed to hold on to all of this animosity the whole time? I get that. Like, oh, me and Dana, I get we're on the same team and Team UFC and all this shit. It's a little bit strange. I, I agree. I agree. On the other hand, your focus has to be on the fight this weekend, whatever you have going on after that, testing the waters of free agency, which, again, could bring you back to UFC. That is a possibility, however remote one wants to make it. And so I just I just feel like it's, you know, you're, why focus all of your attention on all of these past misdeeds, which it's not that like he's never raised the alarm about. It's like, at this point, what does it matter? It's all going to come to an end. You can make the decision about the next chapter. And if the UFC is going to be nice to you on your way out, you can return the favor a little bit. Maybe I'm defending him. And no, there's an argument to be made that, by the way, real quickly, MMA media is very deferential towards Nate and his interests. So we should yes. also note that, like, the MMA media is, I think, overly nice to him. And I think at times we've been that way as well. But I just I, it, holding on to all of that animosity is is work and it's a distraction. And I just feel like he doesn't want it anymore.
1: All right. But you brought up a key part of there, the potential for renegotiation. So I'm just painting you a picture that I didn't like the tone of those comments. I didn't like the, well, I don't even know what I'm going to do next. Maybe I'll come back because, dude, they held you back from making money you deserved against Jake Paul. OK, that's that's the straight up truth. The, the, the window that they did not offer him a fight aligns perfectly with Jake Paul's rise. I don't think you need a magic eight ball to tell you that signs appear to yes on, on, on why we're here. But you brought up the potential of renegotiation and playing the free agent field. So is this actually, Nate, being willing to contradict himself in this frame because it's, you know, sly like a fox? Because ever since Jake Paul signed on to face Anderson Silva, which is now official and we can get to that on the show today... Look, there is potential that the Jake show could come to a disastrous end if Anderson wins. Is that part of Nate's thinking? Because you don't just, he doesn't just win or lose against Tremayev and then tomorrow enter the the Jake promotion. Like, there, there is a potential fallout here if Jake loses this and loses it badly. Am I not giving Nate enough credit for how he's publicly negotiating here, Luke?
0: Um, I mean, he's not driving a hard bargain in the way that you would normally imagine. I think that's certainly what you're picking up on. It's like you had all of this, I was mistreated kind of rhetoric that now you're seemingly letting go of. Again, I don't know exactly what the right answer is for him and why he has said all of that. But like, let's just imagine a scenario, BC. Now listen, look, we mentioned the odds. You got Homs that as a minus 1,000 favorite. I, I, I don't know any MMA insider who's picking anyone other than Hamzat unless people are on Nate's team to be quite honest with you and I'm picking Hamzat I'm sure you are as well Hamzat almost certainly wins this one and he could win it quite brutally but let's imagine a world because MMA is fucking crazy let's imagine a world where Nate Diaz smokes him right however that looks Kurt Pellegrino triangle type thing or boxes him up and and puts him away it's unlikely but it is possible in that world you think the UFC wants to let go of him? They might back up the Brinks truck to keep him on board, and of course, he still might say no. Like whatever he, whatever's going to happen, probably is going to happen through some kind of free agent negotiation. Like it's not just going to happen automatically, but like there is a possibility. It's again, we go back to it with Francis Ngannou, right? If you're Francis Ngannou, yes, the biggest thing you could do to make money would be a fight with Tyson Fury. But how secure is that, and how yeah. scalable? No, is there a future beyond it? I just feel like Nate at this point, it is, it is. You're right. That it's uh it's a it's a weird u-turn he's made but it looks like he's at least keeping the possibility open that maybe just maybe things could happen with the UFC where we thought there was no possibility
1: right and, and to be fair if that Jake Paul window closed and there wasn't you know a two-fight deal there like could be if he goes in there and especially if he beat him um, the, the, you know, what's his money for it's Connor. I mean, so of course it is. So yeah, it would make right. sense for him to keep himself available there. So am I insulting him for something he's actually being smart on? My answer is I don't know because the rest of this interview, Luke, while being a typical Diaz brother interview, it's still batshit crazy, Luke. So there's, I mean, d- tell me if I'm wrong. I came away from this, not really being fully confident that Nate believes he's going to win that, that he almost is, you know taking this because he has to which i think is true yes but then again hedged up with those comments about dana right there it just is a bowl of i don't know what the hell to make of this now again that's always the diaz brother experience but i really come out coming out of here having more questions than answers in a situation where we had almost no answers heading into like you know what's going to happen here except for the the odds like i tried to find bigger odds from this luke Ronda Rousey was like minus seventeen hundred when she when she headlined against Betschcohea at UFC 190. Um, GSP in the first Sarah fight I think was like minus fourteen hundred, and we all know Chevchenko was going to be about minus eight million against Montano. But dude, for a pay-per-view main event, these odds are like we've almost never seen it before. It's as weird and bizarre a fight as possible, and this weird and bizarre interview now has me like even more confused about who's playing what role, who's actually smart, and who's not. Because you can just as easily look up and down Nate's journey, sitting out three years after fighting Conor twice, whether he needed the mental and physical rest or not, and question, is he always making the best move for his own future? Now, when we hear the way he negotiated the first McGregor fight from Faber on our room service diaries, you go, yeah, man, this guy's a sly fox. He knows exactly what he's doing. But, dude, I'm confused right now.
0: Yes, this is a slight it's a slight U-turn. I I I get the sense that there has been a thawing. Here here's my read. Here's my read. I get the sense that Team Diaz and Team UFC have been at odds for a long time, a long time. And that explains what Nate has said. It's explained partly his absence, it's explained his discontent. It explain, explains a number of things. I get the sense based on some conversations and some other things that the relationship between Team Diaz and the UFC has thawed. That there has been a warming. I don't know how long and I don't know how much, but that there is a change. And I think you're seeing language reflected by Diaz that reflects that thawing of that relationship. Whether that means they will reunite down the line, I don't know. Whether that means there will be a Jake Paul boxing match, I don't know. A lot of this is still speculative. But the UFC has, at the last minute, it seems like, salvaged a little bit of their relationship with Nate and at least introduced the possibility that there could be a future with them, even if, I would argue, BC, that is definitely not the likeliest outcome, win or lose, on Saturday UFC 279.
1: This is more of a far-fetched question. Some things have to happen for it to be true. Is there any part of Dana and company, when they're in that war room and they're talking, you know, not the matchmaking room, let's say the business room, where they're talking, you know, the future here, that they're thinking, look, if... Jake gets by Anderson, which which Dana himself said, that's that's a real fight. Is there part of them that says, at that point, there would be a ton of a call, right, for Jake to fight Nate? Maybe they get involved. We're not there yet in terms of everybody getting along good, right? We're not actually there yet.
0: No, I don't think we're there yet. Mm-mm. And also, you know, if Nate has a ton of leverage from beating Hamzat, I, I don't know which way he might use it, but he's going he's gonna to put whoever it is over a fucking barrel. I mean, let's just um, be real about it, that
1: what what does the like now that we're talking about storylines here essentially on this fight it's like have we talked enough about what the diaz upset like what the next day would look like what what the future would look like like how look how would you because this fight is so damn unique and weird how would you gauge how big of an upset it actually would be if nate
0: did this i i'll say this i it's a it's a monster upset it's it's a, truly here's what you can say easily 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 Nate Diaz defeating Hamzat Chemaev would be, whatever the odds may say, I think just you and I would agree, B.C., easily, easily a top-five historic upset in UFC history. Frankly, maybe in MMA history as well. A historic upset is what that would be. And I get the feeling, B.C., and I don't know what Nate would do about it, because God only knows. I mean, again, you can thaw that relationship, but there is still some damage done that I don't know that a thawing can altogether fix. But B.C., if Nate Diaz goes in there and beats Hamzat Shemaev, I get the feeling that the UFC would do everything in their power to find a way to keep him on roster. Because oh, it's, his it's, it's an, star power would saying. be next fucking level. It
1: goes without saying, and you know what? They would give him Conor money. Because here's the deal. like, What's yes. Nate's real problem, Luke? He wants to be... Ch- appreciated and treated by management equivalent to his legend and his value we can argue for days whether him calling himself the greatest fighter of all time although he's framing it under like the gangster code is true or not but like dude he'd be the biggest he would like he finally got real money by fighting connor twice and beating him and now if he pulls this upset which would be which would give him the, the largest amount of street cred ever accomplished and that probably jumping past Habib drop kicking Dylan Dennis to the face as like street cred of just the biggest victory we've ever seen, dude, he would finally demand and probably get Connor money after that because not only would you put him in a trilogy with Connor, but you can make any number of great fights with him. So yeah, that's true. But Luke, all of this back and forth in Monday morning quarterbacking and trying to play psychologist, how much is this UFC going? Let's do everything in our power to not have Nate, essentially do the thing the pro wrestling thing that people feared when the fight was booked oh Nate's going to come out there in three seconds flip off the cameras and walk out of the cage and like I don't know take a count out loss or a no decision yeah, no, like he's not doing that he's not doing that but how much of this is them just completely trying to protect that let's protect be. You. let's play great with him I mean to your point if he wins they got to resign him. they got to. There's not, there's not even another like they have
0: to resign right him. they gotta they have to do whatever they want or they can at that point I, I don't know if I understand your question altogether BC
1: do you, how much do you believe the UFC playing super nice and playing up the legend Diaz suddenly is them just doing everything they can for a soft landing, win or lose, if Nate yes. plans on leaving and putting a stain down? Now, look, no one believes he's going to do the type of stain that makes a mockery of the main event. They, they would hold his purse up. They'd probably try to sue him. I mean, it'd be messy, right? But there's yeah, other think- ways to walk out and stain the company on the way out, Luke.
0: I, I think that's right, and I think what they're trying to do is feather a bit of a nest in the event of something being possible. Again, I want to be very clear. I think UFC and Nate Diaz working together in the immediate future is very unlikely, but certainly possible. But like, understand something about the nature of the contract. My understanding is that at the moment it expires after his last fight, they have 90 days exclusive negotiating and then I think a year where they can match. Now, they've not exercised those rights with anyone. Right. Let's be very clear about that as well. That's what's on paper. But the UFC either decides to, you know, re sign someone or they don't. They don't play a lot of these games where they exercise that. But at a bare minimum, BC, they would have 90 days exclusive negotiating with that. No, he could go to no other suitor at that point. That covers the moment in which Jake Paul fights Anderson Silva. And if Jake Paul gets stretched, which I think is on the table. Who the hell knows what's going to happen here? There's a lot of different ways this could all go up in smoke or build on itself or whatever the fuck you want to say, whatever the proper analogy or metaphor is. I'm just pointing out to to get to the UFC, from the UFC side of things, they're trying to make sure that Nate doesn't walk. And also, dude, you got to wonder about the Anderson Silva effect, too. Like We haven't talked about this part. We'll talk about Anderson Silva and Jake Paul in just a second. Like, I wonder if they look back on him getting like a last fight at the Apex where there was no crowd, there was no real adulation. They had like a video package for him and they said nice things and they sent him on his way. It's one of the most important fighters in UFC history and they kind of just, you know, they didn't do nothing for him, but like it wasn't ceremonial in any kind of meaningful sense. I wonder if they want to correct that mistake especially with a guy as beloved by the fans as Nate Diaz.
1: Well, look, I think that's partially maybe why they're giving Tony Ferguson this co-main event slot in a, in a right. fight that we're kind of fearful for. It's just like they know the fans have like loved this man on a made man level that you can just – they're immortal. They're immortal now. They are gangsta, true gangsters of the sport. And, yeah, they, they should take advantage of that, like you said, in ways that they – have n't always to exiting legends that you know they constantly feed them contenders in fights that don't make sense since the legend is pretty much not in the title picture anyway so um I agree with all that Luke uh there's a question that I want to as we kind of transition to Hamzat who also did a sit down with Brett and I I was really intrigued by that um Hamzat's a, a gangster here Luke he fashions himself a real gangster so. There's going to be a strategic question that I want to save for Friday that's essentially, I think, one of the biggest storylines in here. Did Gilbert Burns not expose but humanize Chamaev enough in that fight that maybe we're overlooking some things, looking at the odds, heading into this one? Save the result of that question for Friday. But in the spirit of Hamzat fancying himself like a real gangster who comes from a war-torn country and it really is about that life, Um, I think I'm starting to believe him when he essentially says, look, that fight with Burns was that fun and competitive because I wanted to. I I tend to believe the more I learn of this guy's makeup that he really did want to show on that platform how badass he actually can be and that... You know, you hear him say, Luke, everything, he's just about the money. Like, no emotion, just about the money. This is what I do, pay me my money. I like the the countdown show showing how hard of a worker he is in the gym and how he's really about that side of it, too, which you need to be to truly sustain. But, dude, this guy's made up with everything that it takes to be an absolutely badass breakout star. Uh, The more I watch that, the more I look at these odds, and I'm like, damn, do we really have to make this fight? Poor, Poor Nate, potentially, but... This guy seems to be the real deal, Luke. I mean, you're you know, you're not the real deal until you show it in the cage and you win the championship, but good Lord, he seems to be wired in an almost scary cyborg robot, exactly who he needs to be to be what he's trying to be, and that's a hit man. He's coming for that cash, Luke. Pay the man his money.
0: And to Nate's point, they this is why he said he took the fight because he, he looked around and was like, the UFC wants me to build someone for them who can I build as their guy, their UFC guy? It looks like Hamza Chemaev is that is that dude. So that's why he apparently was the, w- the way he called it out in the way that he did. Now, to your point, Hamza Chemaev spoke to, again, our MMA media colleague, Brett Okamoto over at ESPN. And he said, quote, this is what you were just talking about, BC. I make the money and smash his head and have some fun. UFC wants to kill that guy. I'm like, killer, you know, you pay for me. I take his head off. Jesus Christ. <laughs> that is uh that's a lot and then he says about you know getting physical before the fight I don't know we'll see he's playing like gangster I don't know if he's gangster or not if we're honest with you real gangsters don't play with their punches or whatever he's saying they kill each other and this is fight if you're going to play gangster I eat for breakfast yeah dude he is a, he is a He's a mercenary. He's a mercenary in the scariest kind of way that he'll just take the check, show up, and do some beheadings, and then be on his way on to the next thing. And I agree I mean, with you. Does
1: he roll with your guy, too? Didn't he get a sports car as a gift and then crashed it from that dude?
0: Oh, Ramzan kadirov Yeah, because he's catching, yeah. which, which, which Ramzan is as well. Um, and
1: don't forget that when Chemayev looked like he was potentially retiring due to the COVID battles he had, Luke, yeah, during the yeah, pandemic.
0: Old, uh, he, got, he got bullied back into doing it by... Oh, um, he
1: straight up got pushed back into it. So... Kadyrov... Uh, I give him credit for being about that life. But Luke, to his point, like Stockton, California, like come hang he in my hood. I mean, him, this guy, yeah. you know, is showing us that he's he is he is he seems to be that that dude, the real deal. So we'll find out. But uh, did you come away like it's kind of endearing? Like he's he's a suit. He's a he's a movie character. Come to life. This dude, Luke.
0: he is. I don't I don't to me. This fight is very much the Nate Diaz story. Right, it's about his his. That's why we did the resume review on him. It's about his journey to this point. It's about what we learn about the UFC during the eras in which he competed. About how they work with fighters. About how they understand Nate in particular. It's about Nate's future. Is he going to box Jake Paul? Is he going to what's he going to do? Right. Sort of all of these are the things that everything else is orbiting around. The Hamzat story to me is orbiting around them. It's not irrelevant. It's not unimportant but it's a function of everything nate diaz is doing and so i actually wonder like i do think hamzat will get a rub especially if he beats the fuck out of nate diaz but to me it's like i'm not learning anything new about hamzat this time around i'm i'm more just getting a sense of all right exactly how good he is can you keep doing this is he going to make mistakes because that was the thing against gilbert burns like i do think a lot of that was elective in the way in which he fought an undisciplined approach didn't cost him against gilbert burns Probably won't cost him against Diaz either, but it could for undisciplined reasons. So, you know, there's there's relevant storylines with Hamza. But don't you feel like this is really the Nate Diaz show and Hamza is very much a supporting character in that?
1: But the effect of the outcome that we have all claimed is most likely and, you know, very likely is will will eventually, you know, will essentially be all about Chamaev. So, um we are sleeping on that side of it, and, and we should give Nate this close-up. And you know, like street street-wise in terms of cred, like how could you not take your hat? off? I mean, like th- it's this is the most Nate D or you know this is the most Nick Diaz Army brother move ever to take this fight. And, and shout yes. out to Nate for that. But um, uh, uh, you know, I don't know where I was wherever I was going, Luke. It was it was really going to be spectacular. <laughs> it was be magic, but the, it the was connective magic. tissue just. Just fell apart right there, unfortunately. Um, oh, look right, well, does, does does Hamzaad have the cleft palate? I, I don't think I've read about that, but I see. Yes, it I, he,
0: I think he had it repaired, which is why he has the scar. But yes, yes. he had it.
1: It, it kind of right. with the beard. It kind of adds to his look, dude. He's pretty. He's you know, yeah. Okay, we'll see. He's,
0: he's not from a cushioned uh, you know part of the world with a silver spoon in his mouth. I can tell you that. All right, now it leads us to topic number three, BC, which of course is where Nate Diaz could end up, depending on how things go. But Showtime made it official. Yes, Jake Paul is going to box Anderson Silva. The opening odds on DraftKings, for example, this morning, had Anderson Silva at a minus 135, Jake Paul at a plus 105. Let me give you the details, if I may, very quickly. This, of course, will be at October 29th, Showtime pay-per-view in Phoenix, Arizona, at the Gila River Arena, I believe is the name of the place. It's an eight-round boxing contest with a catchweight at 187. Now I don't remember the last time that Silva was at 185. Although this will be, um, he'll have a little bit of an allowance relative to that. But those are your basic details, BC. I gave them all to you. Your takeaway from this information is
1: what? Uh, this fight is 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 the right one at the right time. It's going to be commercially big. I think it's harder than people on the boxing side of the audience are realizing, given the age of Anderson um, and the odds. What, what do are reflect folks on the, the
0: boxing side of things saying, from, from what you can
1: tell? Yeah, here's what I found in the short period that this fight became real, and you know, you talk to people, media, fans, network people, everybody behind the scenes. Uh, Luke, every single MMA person has kind of taken our our uh, side of it, and saying, "Look, we think it could be a, a close fight for sure. It's going to be entertaining, but." Dude, Anderson could, could not only give him troubles, he could, you know, he could finish him here. Everybody I've talked to on the boxing side across the board, and and it could just be a you know not knowing or ignorance to you know what Anderson's done so far in boxing, or maybe they've seen it, but they just look over it. I mean, people in boxing do think Chavez Jr. is just a you know broke broken, busted product. But Luke, they believe that this is, you know, almost like why are we doing this? This will be something where Jake will get the win against an old guy, but not get the critical respect. I think the absolute opposite because I think if Jake is going to win this fight it's going to have to be in a fight in like a war and where he has a big moment because uh, you and I both think this is a very tough fight for Jake. So I give Jake Paul a ton of respect for booking it. You see he's finally getting, you know, Dana White to even talk about it and sort of begrudgingly give him back some of that respect knowing that this is a real challenge. 8 rounds as you said at 187, this is um it's, it's put up or shut up, as I said before about this fight for Jake, and I, I think it's the time for it, and I think people are sleeping a bit more on the boxing side, that while we, would we have preferred Rockman Jr.? Would that have been the right fight here? Probably because Rockman Jr. had enough questions where we're not sure if that was going to be what, what it was sold in terms of like a really hard test. I think we know, or at least can guess here, that this will be. So... Um, This has the perfect mix of commercial and critical potential here for Jake. It's the right fight at the right time, and um, we don't know, Luke. I favor Anderson here, but we don't know, and that's a good spot to be in because I think in this crossover celebrity old guys coming back window the last few years from Triller to, you know, whoever – Outside of Mike Tyson looking really good that one night against Roy Jones, like, these are the two best. These are the guys that that have committed, it seems, the most of their attention and effort to really being good in this space. In a weird way, it's sort of, you know, finding out who's the best right now in this window. And um, uh, there's, good, there's star power attached, not just because you and I are going to be flying to L.A. this weekend for the press conference, Luke, but... Um, I'm I'm really interested. I'm really fired up for this one uh, because you know this isn't Tyron Woodley coming up two weight classes. We do have to remember that. And if you've seen enough lately of Anderson with the hands, dude, there's still something there. There is definitely still a lot to work with there.
0: Yeah, I got to tell you, I think if there's anyone in the boxing world that thinks that this is sort of uh, you know Jake Paul can get this done with relatively easily, or you know, sort of a reasonably confident pick that you can he can win. I think you're about to be very surprised. I think you're in for a rude awakening. Um, I will no, you'll be surprised, you know? Yeah, well, here's what I'm saying. I will acknowledge that because Anderson is 47 and we don't exactly know how good he is at, either at this stage of his athletic career at all and certainly not in boxing, that there is some uncertainty here, and I understand and respect that. I do think it is winnable for Jake Paul, but I would definitely favor Anderson Silva to win. I think this is far and away different than anything he experienced with Tyron Woodley. I don't know exactly what the best reason is to explain why Anderson has looked so good since leaving the UFC, where he did not look all that great in his final sort of MMA run, that last I'll chapter. I'll explain it.
1: I'll explain it. You ready? What is it? What well, is there's, it? No two, there's two reasons. One could be performance dancing drugs, and in this era, we'd be stupid if we didn't. At least throw that out there, right? Obviously. And by the way, to he was Luke, busted previously. That's just for folks for sure. to remember that. And by the way, all of our heroes have have probably most likely... Yeah, I mean, I don't it. give I mean, a shit. I'm just you gotta, saying no, but anyone record. holding out like I was for years, you got to just wake up to that fact. But too, Luke, this is not the same level as Elite UFC. And oh, by the way, dude, Anderson Silva wasn't getting knocked cold. Like, we didn't have to drag him out, unfortunately, like we did Chuck Liddell in his, you know, when he turned 40. This was a guy whose body kind of fell, you know, broke his heart a couple times, and very elite fights in which he had to be at such a high level. But look, what are we three and a half years, maybe, removed from him going in there against Adesanya and not only not getting embarrassed like we feared? Luke, he kind of had some moments, and I know you can always argue in hindsight was Adesanya as you know violent as he could have been? Was he showing too much respect? I think uh, that version of Anderson Silva, at whatever forty four, went all in that night just like I think he will in this one, he's actually not that far removed from that. He hasn't taken on huge damage. His footwork for boxing is actually pretty good. He's got more fight experience. He's probably longer. He's can hit hard. I mean, like, I just think people are thinking, you know, like when 47-year-old Tito Ortiz walked in there and the first punch he took from Anderson, more or less, he was gone. This ain't that guy. I think the best-case scenario here, Luke, is that these two have a evenly competitive action, fun entertaining fight, regardless of who gets their hand raised, where you kind of want to see it again, you know what I mean? Like, this is this is actually, on paper, seems to be even matchmaking, and you know, maybe Tyron Woodley was also for Jake, and credit to Jake for finishing the second fight spectacularly, but Jake also got hurt in that first fight, and that second fight wasn't overly screaming that you would want to see the, them again. I think this matchup is destined to be dramatic and fun that you're going to want to see it again, so... um Kudos to everybody, dude. And we know, like, yeah, okay, Silva kind of, look, this is not UFC elite level. It really comes down to what do you actually think where Jake Paul's at right now? Mm-hmm. You know, could he beat a 10-0 pro boxer who has good intentions? Move? I don't know. I don't know. But Yeah,
0: I don't think I, he could. I don't think he could. I got to tell you, like, I have a lot of respect for Jake Paul for taking this fight because I think it's winnable but very difficult. And I'd also put on the table... For folks who are in denial about this, from whatever vantage point you want to look at it from, dude, Jake Paul getting stretched is on the table here. Like, it, it, not not in a puncher's chance kind of way, in a much greater sense than that. I don't know if that's the likeliest outcome. In fact, I would probably not say that. But it is certainly on the table here, because here's my view of what's going to happen in BC. I actually think it'll be close for the first two, maybe three rounds, where Jake will be careful, sitting behind his jab. He does have big power. He is much younger um, he should be in good shape since it's going to be relatively close to his walking around weight, He'll have to be a little bit, little bit trimmer, but not by too much. He should be fine. Right. So I think it's going to be close early, but I think over time, the difference in overall skill is going to show up. I don't think that 47 number next to Anderson reflects his at, like present athletic ability. And once those openings start presenting themselves, I think it could get very bad for Jake Paul. We'll have to see how much improvement he has made. Right. But I want to stress this very clearly. Anderson Silva is not only favored to win. Anyone who is looking at this broadcast should remember this. It is very likely he will win beyond whatever the odds say. For Jake Paul to win this to me would be a genuine surprise. Possible, but a surprise.
1: I mean, I'm going to favor Anderson. I do think it's going to be competitive, though. And, and look, Jake's younger. He's going to have to commit to volume in ways that he hasn't before. The jab's got to be a huge weapon. Look, there's things that he's going to have to do to level up. He's young enough to do that. But, look, what the the fact that we're throwing out these scenarios here, we got to be excited about this, Luke. Uh, it's going to be in Phoenix, as you mentioned. Um, you know, I like Arizona, Luke. I vacationed there as a kid. It's a, you know – it doesn't feel as outlaw as New Mexico and Texas. I'm sure it actually is, Luke. But it, it, it's... Uh,
0: it's, The state's got some crazies in it, but my uncle lives there, my, one of my dad's brothers, who I've not seen in some time. So I'll, I'll get the chance to go see him. That's pretty, oh, I'm pretty crap. excited about that.
1: This will be great. Uncle, uh, uncle Luke?
0: Well, I'm Luke. So I didn't know if people... you were named after him. I, I don't know. your. You know. No, this would be Uncle Ron. Uncle Ron. Yeah. Uncle Ron. All
1: right. And I saw when
0: I was, we were at the Spence Ugas fight, I got to see one of my dad's other brothers, who is uh, Uncle Larry. How about that? Uncle Larry. Larry. All right. Uh, All right. Uh, BC, topic number four here. This is a weird one. We do have some audio and some video with it. Anthony Joshua appears to have accepted a Tyson Fury bout for December. Why don't you set this up, BC? Because I got to tell you, I saw these exchanges and it's weird, dude. Tyson Fury is all over the place. I'm retired. I'll fight Usyk, but only for 500 million. Oh wait, I'll fight Joshua for a 60 40 p- per split. Set all this up. Where are we with this? Th-
1: yeah, this weird is really guy. disappointing to see this development here. So, you know, Alexander Usyk just beat Anthony Joshua for the second time. It seems there's, you know, he's also free of his DAZN and and Matchroom Sport, you know, co deal that he had for a bit there. He's promoted by K2 normally um it there's nothing stopping you know him going to ESPN and Tyson Fury and making a first four bell heavyweight champion and you know Usyk's stock is so huge he's in the top 5 of the pound for pound i mean they're both unbeaten like <laughs> yeah, there's not there's really i mean there's so much history it's it's a slam dunk yet all Tyson Fury's talking about is WWE and boxing a mountain man and Francis Ngannou and now this Let's first go to this video that Tyson put out there uh, before we potentially blow up here. And let's, let's see what he said, if you can.
2: Hey, Tyson Fury, a.k.a. the Gypsy King, the WBC heavyweight champion of the world, as you can tell. Um, I think you've all heard that I'm going to be fighting uh, soon, within the next few months. And I think that before I announce an opponent, that I need to do this just in case. Anthony Joshua, I know you've just lost a fight to Usyk, and you doubtless at the moment. Um, and I'd like to give you an opportunity to fight me for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World and the Lineal Championship in the next few months. You're coming off a twelve-round fight, so you're match fit, you're ready. Um, I'm giving you a few months' notice. Uh, if you're interested, I'll send you the date over, and we can rumble a battle of Britain for the WBC Heavyweight Championship of the World. Let me know if you're interested. If not, I will select another opponent. Thank you very much, and good night. Bye. That man uh, is Luke, tall, boy. AJ he could barely fit would,
1: under the door. AJ would quote-tweet the video and say, yeah, calm, I don't do the online discussions just for clout, so if you're really about it, shout out my management team, I'll be ready in December. So that's why, I guess, this headline, but I don't even want that 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 now subhead on our screen, because... Not only do we want not want, or at least I wouldn't want to see this come to fruition. Let's talk about what this is really, what's really happening here, and what this really means. Okay. Look, Tyson Fury, as you said, everything that comes out of his mouth, you've got to take with a grain of salt. He'll just, I mean, it's, he's all over the place. He's also Luke. He's pretty smart, okay, business wise, and and you know, in a lot of ways, there are those who are saying this is only about gaining the leverage financially over Usyk who you could argue has enough leverage for, you know, a 50-50 or 60-40 split with Fury, even though Fury's the bigger star because Usyk's got three world titles to one for Fury. If this is only about that, and no, I wouldn't put it past Fury to be willing to do this. You know, it's it's unnecessary to me and dirty. And not dirty, but like grimy. It's, I mean, look, I can't begrudge a guy. This is the open market. You can do what you have to do. People have the UFC, it seems, regularly floats what we you know, rumors to try to pressure fighters. It's it's part of the grime of the game, Luke. I hate it when this fight seems so easy to make. But, Luke, if it's not about that, this is an unforgivable potential duck for a guy who, like, always says, I'm a fighting man, you know, my generations of my family have been bare-knuckle champions, you know, and we'll fight to the death and all this stuff. And I believe that his family believes this stuff. And Tyson, to his credit, from coming back from the four years away and the depression and the, you know, near-suicide and getting up off the canvas against Wilder in the first fight in round 12 and, you know, adjusting his style to become more of an aggressive, you know, attempts at becoming a knockout artist. And it's been successful. Look at the Dillian White and the Wilder fights. He is about this life, Luke. Doing anything but going in the direction of Alexander Usyk at this moment Shows that 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 you're not, you ain't. You're not being who you said you really are. Yeah, and but it's he retired.
0: Unex... Like, does he have to do anything?
1: So look, if it's about I'm retired and I'm done, I'm not fighting anybody in boxing, and I am gonna fight the Mountain Man and Inghano. Like, we can't tell him no, right? Go make your money. Right. Even if he wants to do this, those stuff first, and then fight Usyk. Even if he said that, which he didn't, it would be disappointing. He would be grounds for criticism, but at the end of the day, he's not fighting somebody else in boxing like, in theory, he could come back when he's ready and you could do the fight. I think he'd be, I think it's stupid historically for he's at a point, Luke, with an unbeaten record although he hasn't faced as many big names in this era as you would want. He added Dillian White, that was huge. He fought Wilder three times. I get that he's always wanted AJ because it's a potential huge money fight. It's a monster money fight and he thinks he can win it and it would mean a lot to England. Look, I get all of that. But wouldn't it mean a lot more if you beat Usyk and became the undisputed champion, and then you fought AJ and did the stadium fight, like, yeah, it would. Um, this is against what Fury seems to stand for, and I do think it's unforgivable. Luke, so if it's about retirement and I don't want to do it, again, he still would be grounds for criticism. You're walking away when the biggest challenge available to you is there. We don't, we don't get good stuff in boxing. We had a chance at a one face, one division, one champion, four, you know? Like, do it, dude. But if this is really about... I don't think I want to fight Usyk because maybe it's a it's a difficult matchup that I just don't care about. Screw your belts. I'll go fight AJ, get my money, and then go do what I want. Dude, YOLO, right? But that's that doesn't equal the words of who you talk about. Luke, he has one of those resumes because he didn't get a chance to fight everybody because he took large gaps off that you can actually jack it up and really make the argument that he's like a top 5 or 10 heavyweight all time. Only because, look, we haven't seen him solved in the ring, right? And he's had huge moments. Wouldn't you want to support that argument? Like an Andre Ward or Habib who re- similarly retired early, didn't get fa- get to face everybody. But, dude, we never saw him groggy. We never saw Kurt Cobain try an acoustic album. You know what I'm saying? Outside of Unplugged, it was amazing. But you get my point. Um, it's like, I'm sure we did see that, actually, but okay. You get my point. Like what? Like if you're about that life then fight Usyk and show us and by the way Luke and I would both favor you to win that as I think most people would. What the hell's going on here Luke? This is not acceptable. We're so close.
0: I don't I don't feel as invested in the result as much as you after Usyk beating Joshua twice. I don't know. I I I get your point. Like they say what they say, they market how they market and to your point to have one face one name as the front of this division, especially for a guy, as you also indicated, with Tyson Fury, who is, you know, arguably one of the best heavyweights ever, assuming he could beat Usyk and really capture those belts, that would really solidify the argument. But again, we have reason to believe, even with his style and everything else in size, he's very much a unicorn, even in the history of heavyweight fighting, that, you know, this would be very complete, this would be great, this would be important for boxing. I don't disagree with any of it, but for some reason... I. I I don't know man. I I have tuned out what they say at this point for the in large part, in large part and they just sort of picked up on how they fight and what they want to do. He seems to be struggling with what he actually wants to do, which is why he's kind of all over the place. And I don't know if that's part negotiating cuz he thought this was going to be secure and it's not and now he's trying this or his mind changed. I don't really know what the answer is. But I don't feel as let down or as betrayed as you by virtue of the fact that like the guy just kind of seems all over the place, and if he doesn't really know what he wants, it's hard for me to like hold him to account as Dude, this being a man. You only get one
1: chance to do a four bell heavyweight I championship I with two on You
0: You're right on the merits, but I guess I'm the just two trying to fighters out, are
1: historically relevant. They are, these. This isn't Solty right. and Ibrahimov, right? Like, these are two like. I mean, this is, this is what you live, this is what you live for. How many baseball players that went on to greatness, like, grew up thinking every day in the backyard of hitting a home run in the World Series? I know this guy already became heavyweight champion of the world, and he was the lineal champion when he beat Klitschko. He recently lost that mythical title because he claimed he retired. They were the only ones, the Ring Magazine, that was like, okay, we're going to believe him, but this is what it's all about, Luke. You can't, the greats. And this is why we used to criticize Floyd, who ended up fighting everybody, and you got to give Floyd credit for beating the game and doing it his way. But along that way, we were criticizing some of the choices. Dude, the, the old school guys, they like Sugar Ray Leonard, they couldn't they couldn't live a day if there was a fighter out there that other people thought could beat him. You know what I mean? And I know that's not exclusively true, and some people thought Leonard should have fought Aaron Pryor. It just never matched up and made a ton of sense in a, in a specific moment, given his absences from the ring. This is what it's supposed to be about. You know, I mean, two, when was the last time we had two heavyweights in the top five or six pound for pound? Never? I don't know. Like, this is ridiculous. Dude, like, like, you're telling me it wouldn't break your heart if you wanted to fight Joshua first and then fight this. I'd still be heartbroken, even though that would be heart, about money listen, and I him. Guess
0: to get, no, to answer your question, would I be heartbroken if you he fought Joshua first? No. No, I wouldn't. I would actually... I, I'm not going to say I would rather see that than Usyk. That's crazy. I would rather see him fight Usyk. But do I have enough interest in seeing him fight Joshua, such that that's a thing that actually happens, to be like reasonably intrigued, certainly to watch it, and to be curious about how, what it all means? Yeah, I suppose that I would. I think he, he's picked up on that as well. That's probably the reason why. Dude, everything you're saying is true. I guess I just don't have the same feelings of betrayal or you know, FOMO or whatever that you seem to be articulating, which I'm not even saying are wrong. I just, I'm not moved by it in that way.
1: Well, you know, what what do we, when we look at boxing at the surface for casual fans that have had a taste and like it, but can't deal with the shenanigans, can't deal with the bullshit. It's that the best don't fight the best, that there's no, that there's not always an end game. You know, like the NBA conference finals don't just end and they say, hey, we had a great year. Like we go to the finals, we figure out who's the best. We don't have that in boxing until we do, Luke. Should it matter to Tyson Fury? Well, what should matter more? He's going to get paid a lot to fight Usyk. It's not that that's the issue, Luke. He's showing us that maybe he's not about that life, or maybe this is some, again, long-term play to get the most financial leverage, and at the end of the day, he's going to come through and do it anyway. Okay, well, you're wasting our time if you're doing that, and if you win more money that way, cool. How about just be, be a fighting man, like you say you are? I know you are. Dude, that's why we're saying we almost look. The thing is, Like, boxing, this era, the people actually care about history, and it's not a lot. We want Fury to be that great. That's why we used to get on Floyd. Not because we hated him, because we had a chance in front of us of having our own Ray Leonard, Sugar Ray Robinson, our own guy that we could put up there and say, okay, you may have been alive in 19-whatever when Harry Greb was on top, but we got our own guy. It's Floyd. Luke, Tyson Fury's supposed to be that guy for us, especially heavyweights, you know? Like, enough of this Ollie Frazier... Foreman 1970s talk Dude we got the 6'9 giant beat that motherfucker Okay (laughs) there's still more you gotta do Fury before we can have those arguments Okay
0: Uh, It's fair it's all fair what you're saying I just I don't It's still real
1: to to me damn it he,
0: He just seems to be Wandering around He doesn't even know exactly what he wants And so it's like hard for me to be Terribly upset or invested About something that's being lost here Even though if I grant you're right it would be better for that to happen. I don't know. Um, I, don't, I just, To close I don't, I don't on know. this, sense.
1: Eddie Hearn, who promotes Joshua, had quotes this morning. I don't know the outlet. He said, in essence, we accepted the 60-40 purse split favoring Fury this morning. This is today. Lots of conversations to have. I don't know if this is a play to let his break down and then fight someone well under par in November or December and just say, hey, I tried to make the AJ fight, or I don't know if this... Is to try to get the Usyk fight for more money. Yeah, that's all we said. But basically, he says uh they're going through the process of taking this seriously, Luke. That that Fury really wants to fight AJ. Um, I mean, you wouldn't put it past him if this really is his plan here, Luke.
0: No, you certainly wouldn't. And it's in fact, I, I'm not sure what is likeliest at this point. I think that's really hard to figure out with Tyson Fury. But it but seems to me. Wouldn't I'd you like solve it?
1: Wouldn't you solve it just by saying, "Hey, guys"? This Fury fight means everything to England. It's a ton of money. I'm sorry. This Joshua fight means everything. It's a ton of money. I'm gonna do this first, and then I'll fight your guy next year for all the belts. Wouldn't that just make everybody happy?
0: Yes, it would. Yes, I think that would certainly assuage the concerns that people like you and the rest of the boxing community might have. I think that's very reasonable to speak.
1: <clears throat> I love that. assuaging, okay. Luke. Okay, it's a, it's a nice assuage party here. You and I all we got all we got mail, Luke <laughs> viewers. <Sausage>. Okay. <laughs> yeah.
0: All right. Uh, so let's get to our last year. Topic number five, quick hitters. Not a whole lot to this. Put up the stills if you can. According to Jake Shields, and there was video of it afterwards, Paulo Costa and Hamza Chemaev had an incident at the UFC PI where <clears throat> Chumayev, excuse me, where, excuse me, Costa and Jake Shields were drilling or working on something. And Chamaev came over, started some beef, BC, saying he wanted to fight him. I guess Jake Paul, or excuse me, not Jake Paul, Jake Shields, as he opened the, the door for. Hamza you might have to walk in and they could, you know, figure it out there or whatever. And then he just didn't. And he called him a fake gangster. You're feeling about this.
1: Uh, I'm not surprised. You know, Dana was asked about this last night. And he he again gave that sort of canned answer of like, they're fighters. This happens. And um, which he's right about, by the way. I think normally we would just go like, oh, wow, this was cool. What do you think? But like, how about this? Let's not forget that Hamza is is. Like, Luke, did you see the the UFC 279 countdown show? By the way, they they put some they put some, they put more out of context BC in there. Shout out to the UFC producers. They love
0: they love out of context BC. That's oh, their they favorite love thing.
1: But like they they called him the biggest, pro, you know, the most the, the most hyped prospect in the history of of the UFC. They outright said that the most talented potential. You know, um, we look at him as a potential two division threat. We saw what he did to shirt with one punch. He made him made him shirt his pants, Luke. Um, Shout out to Justin Kish, but uh, is this a is this like a fight you could make? I mean, I know. I mean, look, like if if Hamzak gets by Nate, like whether it's Leon or Camaro coming through that door, it's going to be one of them, Luke. Maybe both of them, you know. Um, but would you? Would, does this get you excited, knowing that Paulo Costa is just all over the place anyway? That this could be the kind of sex theater like Romero Costa was that we deserve as fans, Luke? Right?
0: I, no, it did nothing for me. Uh, I recognize that it could be interesting, a potential down the road, because remember, he can fight at 185, certainly. Hamza Chumayev versus Paulo Costa fight and how fucking batshit that might be. Don't get me wrong. Very, very fun to consider. But I don't know. To me, it would just felt like, you know, overly testosterone fight week nonsense that, you know, blew That's up what in the I way that for. it did.
1: That's the you fastest know, way to my heart, Luke.
0: Yes, I certainly can tell. That and erections at the weigh-ins are your two favorite things. But
1: <laughs> Shout out to you know the Iron Sheik for, for shouting us out, Luke, by the way. Yes. Yeah,
0: I'm just pointing out that, like, in the end, what does it really mean? It just sort of means that these guys are a little bit aggro, but there's nothing really to sort of come from that. All right, uh, BC, I got to tell you, I love this matchmaking. I really do. December 10th, UFC 282, Darren Till is back taking on the South African Drickus Duplessis, I think fresh off yes. a win over Brad Tavares more recently. BC, I'll say this. If Darren Tilt can't get the jab going against a guy like Duplessis, who is not an easy guy to beat, very physical, but will run into challenges, sometimes inadvisably, if Till can't put a jab on him, I don't really know who he can.
1: Yeah, and I love this fight because like, Darren Till needs to make a loud statement. So while this guy does bring with him a certain level of you know, critical... I mean, he's climbing the ladder... He does walk seemingly face first into the action. It could end up being the perfect opponent for Darren Till to have a big moment against. If there's still a lot left in that tank, and Luke, I'll say this: I've been, I mean, I've been highly critical on Till since I thought Wonder Boy beat him, and then they rushed him to the title shot. I do think long term he's he's a hilarious troll, and he, you know, there are elements to his game that I very much respect. Um, but. Dude, he he needs it. He needs something big to happen here. He's got to go. He's and if and I'm going to give him the respect that the relationship with Jamayev and really, you know, getting a new look at things and, and the long time he's taken off, I do think he could do it. He could make a run here, Luke. It's in him. It's possible. I'm not saying the odds are likely, but this might be the fight to kickstart it. Or if he's if if there isn't a Darren Till 2.0 coming through that door, this could be the fight that snuffs it out completely. I mean.
0: Well, the other part about Drickus Duplessis is that he does run kind of headlong into trouble, but as I mentioned, very physical. And here's the other part, too. Like, his work rate is way higher, way higher. Uh, I think Till likes for the fight to slow down a little bit and then pick it up at his pace. Duplessis is on you the entire time. So it's actually really good matchmaking. I like yeah. this. I'm just pointing out if Till has sharpened his tools in the way that which he should have by this point, not, not completely, obviously, he's still in his 20s, I believe. But, you know, he should certainly have made significant improvement. This is one of those fights where a really good jab, a long reach, you know, good footwork should make this winnable for Till. Uh, But we'll see if that's fully in play.
1: Look, I had been sitting on this dog toy in my chair for 20 minutes before I realized it. Does that lead you to believe that I did it because I enjoyed it? Because that was not the case, just so you know.
0: I just think you're a donk. Yeah. Um, all right, BC. Uh, this one had to be your favorite, and if this doesn't end up and have you seen the shit today, you're a fucking fraud. Uh, how about Ty Emery? Yo, why BKFC? you stealing my?
1: Why are you taking everything I work for? Why don't you? We don't have for... to
0: show it. We don't have to show it. don't in fact, don't do it yet. Don't do no, it yet. I got
1: this same. I got this same. Do you have her re- quote? No, you read this? yours. Okay. Read yours. You're fine. You're
0: so fine. this is the quote. She she was asked about. I, I said this to my friends, and they were like. I'm sorry you have to cover this. I'm like, you're sorry that I have to cover women knock each other out and then flashing titties or you know, what about that is lamentable. But in any event, this is what she told MMA fi- uh, Fighting, quote, to be honest, I feel like BKFC is the sport for me. I feel like with my personality and have a look at uh, what I pulled over the weekend, it's only going to get worse. This is who I am. So fortunately, unfortunately, people, it's going to get worse the more I am enabled, the more comfortable I feel to not be so shy and introverted. Is that really a concern? If that's me being introverted and shy, it's just going gonna, gonna to get a little crazy. with BKFC, and my personality, they'll support the things that I say, how I feel, how I think, compared to other combat sports where they probably <laughs> don't want that sort of behavior. Word. Is that really the problem in combat sports? Everyone's too reserved? Well... Uh, or don't want someone with the opinions that <laughs> I like to hold? The call came, yeah. and I haven't looked back since. There you go.
1: Dude, BKFC is 1,000% the... Um... The, the Tatooine of this uh, combat sports universe, the uh, what's that? Ca- the cantina, Luke, that is completely what's is...
0: Isley Cantina. Yes.
1: It's like, you know, a place that finally respects me. I mean, look, you got to give her credit, you know, in terms of like women's progressive rights, doing this tribute to Brandi Chastain at the 99 World Cup, you know, the USA team. I mean, it was, you know, I could see yeah. the parallels there it was touching. Is that what that is? That was like Kevin Garnett. What's up with the shirt? Was that yeah. what we're what going to do here again? Um, do you know that I I tried to get the uh, I don't want to disappoint our horny fans, but I tried to get the video on on Hysts and our, producer Mike was like, I don't think we should show the full guns. Maybe there's like a blocked vi- vision. I there did is. counter. I did counter with we showed Gina Carano that time. Luke her Instagram post. Maybe we got lucky yeah. showing that. You know, maybe we got that that got through the censor. She, she's Luke, making but.
0: very big movies that go straight to uh, not even DVD now. So she's she's doing yeah.
1: Those. Oh, uh, Luke! This was this was the ultimate. They weren't talking about me, but now they are. Turnaround. And by the way, this was yes. BKFC Thailand, uh, Bangkok, indeed, Luke. Uh, th- this this was wild. Um, I don't know. I don't know what you're looking for me to say. That's the only material I have for this, Luke. Okay? I
0: mean, I'll be honest. I found her Instagram after this. Uh, well, dude, I, didn't, I didn't follow, but I did. Certainly she follow you back. Did she follow no, you no, back? No, I no, did, I didn't follow. I didn't follow, but I looked oh, around. I, fo- I, looked
1: I around. followed because I wanted to follow the story, Luke, okay? Yeah. yeah,
0: you're a real sleuth, an internet detective is what you are. Um <laughs> want to remind folks, you can get Showtime 30-day free trial. If you like it, you can keep it. If not, you can bounce. You can like us on YouTube, youtube.com slash morning combat. Subscribe if you haven't. BC... Uh, Put up the graphic. We are up for another round of best MMA programming at the World MMA Awards. You can, If yeah. you're watching on YouTube right now, you can use the QR code. You can put your phone up there. You can go vote for us. We don't have a whole lot of time left. Or if you're listening on the audio podcast, worldmmaawards.com slash nominees. All we need is one vote. W- what One ballot
1: for us. Look, if you like Ariel, then go to his show, all right? He's a nice guy. He's a nice enough guy. If you like Dana White, why don't you go watch his show the contender series, or you can vote for MK. Okay.
0: Yeah. Vote for MK. Yeah, why
1: don't Should you vote do for MK? Why don't you get us back there? Okay. Thank you.
0: Thank uh, you. that's it. Time for your BC's feces.
1: <laughs> Normally we do this on Mondays, Luke, but we had a, a abbreviated week. By the way, I did want to shout out as always our bonus content, youtube.com slash morning combat, uh, resume review, with Nate Diaz. How about a room service diaries with AJ McKee? Luke, a very candid and revealing one, by the way. Oh my, it's a, it's a different flavor in our RSD offering, and I think people will enjoy it if they, if they go after it, Luke, so check that out. It's weird. It's weird. It is a little bit weird, uh, but you know what I do normally, though? I scour the globe, the internet even, for the good, the bad, the ugly, the highs and lows, and in between from combat sports and beyond. We call this B.C.'s Feces.
0: You're like you like you know how I normally go and what I normally do. I'm like, yeah, touch yourself inappropriately in the Arby's drive-through. Is that wow. what you do?
1: I I once got busy in a Burger King bathroom, Luke. Okay, thank
0: you. Shut up! I, it's like the beef and cheddar guy is back. Yeah.
1: Uh, <laughs> UFC Paris, Luke, was this weekend. Um, did you see this pre-fight shoey? Shout out to you oh, know,
0: shoeys are so fucking lame. With the Can we Eiffel stop doing Tower. Shit.
1: Dude, with the Eiffel Tower in the background, I give Gon credit for being fun and playful here, Luke. He seems like a good dude, right? Cyril Gon?
0: Yes, Gon does seem like a good dude. They're doing a who's on first bit here. There we go.
1: And this I mean, was shot. We stop doing this shit? But the Eiffel Tower is right behind them, Luke. Is that is that like me wearing the, the USA flag on my NWO t-shirt? Was it was was it you know was that disrespectful, Luke, to do a shoey in front of the Eiffel Tower?
0: I don't know that it is. With cage fighters? Is uptight. All right.
1: Hey Luke, uh, it looks like Francis Ngannou might still be in the UFC. He brought a loud shirt with him to Paris. I hope he gets to rematch Gone in Paris for the people. But um, does this tell you that he's that he's back? And maybe we shouldn't worry about the Tyson Fury fight, or is I this just mean he loves says. France?
0: Well, he's from there. At oh, least spent a big part of his life there. Obviously, French is his first language. Being from Cameroon, uh, I don't know that I would read too much into it. Kamaru Usman was with him, who also had very loud clothing. So. The- <laughs> That's dude, Vittori
1: they did, they did too. Yeah, loud clothing season is upon us, which I don't. I don't hate. I mean, dude, did yeah, one...
0: uh, like to be clear, I'm not shitting on it. It just seems like there's been a development where that's a cool thing that cool yeah. people do. And I, I mean, have never done that.
1: You know, I I can get a little flashy at times. I don't have the commitment that they do. But Luke, would you say the NBA fashion today is like sometimes out of control? Dwayne Wade, Russell Westbrook, they take chances, Luke. They take big. Well, chances. Dwayne
0: Wade is retired.
1: Yeah, but he was he was wearing like capris and stuff way before anyone tried yes, to make it nba cooler, fashion
0: huh? i also don't get who was the guy who played for the uh kuzma who played for the wizards remember that purple sweater he had that i mean the guy's like a seven footer and he's wearing a a, a sweater remember
1: like that purple sweater footer. that aj mckee had luke
0: yeah and it was hot as balls in that room too
1: yeah but that's his commitment you know you know he'll, he'll be the last guy out of the hot tub if he has to Luke, to prove a point right tyson fury style uh, Luke, Speaking of Francis, he picked up GSP like a damn rag doll backstage. Did you see them horsing around there in Paris? Jesus! Imagine being as strong as Francis. I would just like pick up couches with you know, like with how ease. Long, how
0: long did you stare at the ass of Saint Pierre there just?
1: Now? Oh, st- you know, I don't, I don't appreciate that. Okay, and you were like <laughs> that'd be a great
0: <laughs> canvas for tattoos.
1: <laughs> Ask me a quote. Yeah, there you go. Uh, women's featherweight. Eileen Perez, a woman after your own heart, Luke. Did you see the dance she had at the weigh-in?
0: Yeah, I got tagged in about eighty million of these on uh, Instagram. Wow, Eileen,
1: Eileen, would... what did I say, Alan? Uh, she's she suffered a second round submission loss to Stephanie Eggers. Luke, can she fight or is this the? Uh,
0: she like... lost. Um, now Eggers is a good grappler, so you know, take it with a grain of salt. But yeah. I saw that apparently. A few weeks ago, she had talked shit to either Nina Nunez or Amanda Nunez and being like, you're going to see the revolution start or whatever on you know in September of my fight at UFC Paris. And then Nina Nunez, after she lost, retweeted it with the laughing emoji. Oh, so,
1: Dude, that's like uh, Abraham Simpson walking into most Tavern, grand opening, grand closing, in and out, Luke, that, that meme. Yeah. That, that's what it's like, yeah. yeah. Uh, Luke, you know who's becoming a folk hero to me? How about new Manza, Joaquin Buckley? He did not defeat Nasruddin Imovov in a very fun fight, but the effort to close round three, it got, it got a standing ovation in my household, Luke.
0: So just you and your cats?
1: Yeah, me and Reggie Jackson, but it was pretty cool, though. Uh, You weren't impressed by this man in defeat?
0: I was impressed by the third-round effort. I just thought he didn't have enough going in the first two. Although, I got to say, dude, Imovolve looked fucking huge for this weight class.
1: Dude, put it on Buckley a few times. Like, he had to come back from a lot to just try to be in it. Luke, I give him credit, but yeah, Imavov looks legit. I don't know if you do extra credit anymore, but tell the people about this man, Luke.
0: Yeah, I will, Uh, starting next week, obviously, but... um, imavov looked good his his count his pressure was good his counter-striking was good his accuracy was good he faded down the stretch which is noteworthy but this was a solid win for him very solid absolutely
1: win. do you know who else jumped through the screen he might uh, do i have to fit a hammer for this guy in my dagestan cupboard luke abbas magomedov continued oh, Jesus. um ufc fighters that have magomed in their name i think approved to four thousand and oh luke Dude, he beat the crap out of Dustin Stolfus in, like, 19 seconds. Dustin who? Stolfus? Stoltzfus? Stolface? I don't know, Luke. Um, But you know what's crazy is I looked—
0: Shoeface? Yeah, he beat (laughs) Shoeface.
1: Yeah, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Hope they're not triplets. Uh, Luke, uh, I looked Abbas up. Do you know three fights ago he got knocked out in 30 seconds in the PFL championship to Lewis Taylor?
0: No, but here's the thing: he is very UFC ready. Like he's 32, so it's now or never. Oh, he, he looked nearly,
1: great. Yeah. yeah, he
0: had nearly he has nearly 30 fights, and that toe of his went in the mouth of
1: Stoltzfus, which Ooh. is just
0: fucking gross,
1: dude. Some people will pay a lot of money on OnlyFans for that shit, Luke. I know, but not them two. Astat fans probably. Um, dude, he he looks like a like you said a finished product almost coming in. I, I'm excited to see. More hammers, uh, uh Luke. They got to find more nails to bring in after they cut. You know, what got cut. Did you see that? Dick Rico got, or no, he retired, Luke. He Dick retired, Rico yes. out. I mean, it's
0: sort of disrespectful for you to call him that on his way out the door. Yo, did but... you
1: hear what he said about my MMA media brethren that time, Luke? Come on.
0: Yeah, he was not happy with us for really bad reasons. But uh, if he, if even... I
1: don't stand up for the schmo, who will, Luke? I got his back. All right.
0: Helen Yi. Helen Yee will stand
1: up. All right. For him. Uh, Luke, Luca. star was born at BKFC Thailand. Her name is Thai Emery, as mentioned. Here is the moment she KO'd Rung Aaron Kung Chai. Ah. It was a nice finish, Luke. I mean, beautiful. Check left hook there. And then the cell Oh, this was a knockdown. Wait, did- oh, did they water down this clip so much that they removed all of the nudity?
0: They better not have. Here we go. There That's it is, just, Luke. I mean.
1: All right. If you can squig through the lines. I mean, I don't I mean, I know I've never seen that before. I'll be honest, Luke, or at least not in this setting, maybe like spring break or something. Um
0: Yeah, I mean I I've mean, seen that on Bourbon Street. You know? I mean,
1: it seems strategic based on the quotes you read that she knows what she's doing. This is a different form of, you know, I'm an effing feeling, right? Um but you sent me sound of her on Ashley Evans Smith's podcast, <laughs> <Yes>. Luke. <laughs>
0: Which is like a sex podcast.
1: Uh, let's go to the videotape. Do you yes. have sex before fight camp? I know you're in a single. You're not dating
2: anybody, but shit happens.
1: Yeah. <laughs> Somebody somebody yeah i thought that because all my coaches ever say they're just like you need your shoulders to relax and i'm like in my head i'm like
2: no motherfucker i need to get dick down that's what (laughs) that is i need that dick to go in and plunge (laughs) my shoulders and relax them down
1: (laughs) you're (laughs) like you can't say that back to your coach so you're just like uh, uh, oh yeah uh, uh, cool uh, uh,
2: we'll keep trying (laughs) i love it yeah no it's good It, it balances your hormones yeah, for everything. Confidence, mental, just being able to actually relax. Like, also just being dominated. Like, what the fuck? It's nice. We're, like, punching someone's face in all day. <laughs> okay, like-
1: okay, it's enough. That's enough. It's enough. We're going to lose our sponsors. It's
0: funny. It's funny. BC has given
1: me that exact same speech before doing live shows. <laughs> I mean, you know, we had a good run with AG1, but if you want to get right, Luke, get dick down, right? I mean, that is... Wow, Dude,
0: we gotta get we gotta we gotta get some Delta Eight gummies like in the shape of dicks. We'll just <laughs>
1: call it Dick Down, you know. <laughs> so I was gonna say, Luke, she's not only the hair president, she's also a client. She seems about that life, so um, she got our attention, Luke. Tight. By Emery. the way, is she
0: your new favorite fighter. I mean, this has to be the BC special. I here. mean, this is
1: so aggressive that I'm really not sure what to do with it, Luke. I'm gonna be fair with you, okay? I don't know. I don't know. I mean, it's pretty on brand for our show, but it's um. It's very aggressive. Yeah, it's, you know, wow. Okay, uh, Luke, time for some celebrity tip-on-tip action. You ready for this, Luke?
0: Uh, I guess. <laughs> I don't know.
1: <laughs> Unlikely tippers here. Bellator president Scott Coker and Risen's Saki Karaba.
0: Oh, yeah, what, Saki Kabara, you mean?
1: Saki Kabara, who tweeted, In I uh, hit the translate button, Luke, and it basically teased that these two have plans of doing more business in the Bellator uh, rising relationship. So uh what do you think about their tip to tip hair, Luke?
0: It's a little crooked, but it's a good effort.
1: Dude, Saki Kabar is in shape. Look at that guy.
0: Yeah, the Japanese are typically a little bit thinner than the Do you
1: Americans. think he could outgrapple Shatri?
0: I I mean who the fuck knows?
1: Uh, in a promoter's uh one night tournament Luke. I'd be into that, yeah. All right.
0: Oh would uh, you? You'd Wait, be look, into we got... Ty Emery and her only Pipes account. I know that.
1: <laughs> uh, Luke, uh, podcasting royalty touch tips this week as Khalila and Theo Vaughn caught up, Luke. Nice MK shout-out there, right?
0: MK shout-out. Oh, well, the, t- the that's on brand
1: show. for us, Luke, oh, right?
0: Yeah. yeah, I suppose. Yeah, there you go. You,
1: did you hear she broke up with Bobby Lee? Word? Word? Yep. What for? I don't know, Luke. You know, I don't tend I don't tend to I I don't try to like read people's relationships and figure it out. Really only MMA super couples do I try to do that too. And by the way, good to see um uh the tornado and Raquel with rings on Luke. They're they're going strong there. All right. Put a ring on. Yes. All right. I support MMA relationships, Luke, on this show. Um let's keep it going here. Luke, are you going to go a... to
0: Arby's and order the dick down and cheddar? <laughs> uh,
1: Luke, I know I hassle you sometimes for your vape habit, but, you know, we talk about leading health experts shouting out AG1. Another leading health expert has just backed up your love for vape. Check this out, Luke. Uh-oh. You're too much
0: crap. I think they're Hold on. More are more savvy now than they were Are you before. vaping? Yeah. Like, I don't even know you anymore, dude. You're driving tobacco.
1: a Tesla. Oh, that's tobacco. Yeah. All right. Well, was so like grape flavor.
2: I don't know if it's like, you Skiddle, it's tobacco? like I, I kids smoke do. weed. I, I yeah. vape uh,
1: tobacco. Vape up. Right. I yeah, like vape. Your head like I got addicted to it. Luke, that's that's Rogan level approved business right there, dude. You're, you, I, maybe I have to give you more props from that.
0: Well, you know, I, I don't do it because I think it's healthy. I mean, I just do it because I need drugs.
1: That, but when you see, you know, someone you you look at as, a you know, a, a contemporary, a colleague in this game, Joe no, Rogan. No, it doesn't
0: matter who does it. It's still a dirtbag piece of shit thing to do, whether I do it or Joe Rogan does it. It's okay. still, you, you can't vape and be like, I should be taken seriously. I mean, I, and I recognize that about myself. I truly am a pathetic loser, so.
1: All right. That was from the, uh, not the Calabasas fight pod. That was the, the reunion of the um, Joe Rogan uh, experience version, Luke. Yes. Eddie Bravo in the house. So, shout out to that. Edgy bra. Yeah. Uh, Luke, do you see this karate combat highlight that's flying around? Raymond Daniels, you may you may remember him as a martial arts legend. Uh, this wasn't his finest moment, Luke. <laughs> I mean, does he have a history fighting on ramps? I don't know, Luke.
0: Yeah, I mean, he was trying to entertain the crowd and ended up in the cat-cow position. Um,
1: I think he hit his face on there. In the face. Okay. Bah. I mean, that's Midwestern America donk level mistake there, Luke. Uh, that's, it's perfect for this. It was great. I liked it.
0: It's karate combat.
1: All right. Hey, time for some MMA fighters in the wild. Luke, they really are just like one of us. Here's Matt Brown, the immortal, um, working in his uh, fight training in between being a good dad. Luke, your thoughts?
0: There there you go. Slipping off the center line. Look at that. Bah. Whoop. Ba
1: ba ba. Um, I say that's a nice park, too. Yeah, shout out, that's Ohio, I'm sure. Oh, uh, Luke, shout out Let me out ask to, you
0: about the park. See, see how the look, look, blow that up one more time. See, look at the floor of the park there. How it's got the uh, the old wood chips. That's yeah. how it was when I grew up. Although I grew up on a lot of just ones that didn't have shit, except just straight up asphalt. Yeah. Uh, do the do the playgrounds near your area? Do they have like the rubbery floors? All the ones here. Oh, now, now they do. But growing up, it was yeah. straight
1: concrete, Luke. You know. Yeah, what I'm you saying? just they,
0: lost teeth landing. I dude, mean, that was just what it was.
1: I tell this story to my kids, and they think I'm lying. And like, our local park in the factory town, we had these things to climb that were, like, 15 feet tall with asphalt below. Dude, kids are falling off that crap left and right, man.
0: Yeah. You know? There used to be a triceratops, uh, like, metal skeleton that was outside the National History Museum. And apparently kids were, like, and it was, like, you know, life-size or whatever. Kids were, like, busting their fucking head open on that bitch the entire yeah. time. So when I was a kid, you just went up on it, and then you just died. But... They have since removed it, apparently. So
1: Yeah, shout out to Action Park in New Jersey, Luke. People just went there and just did stuff. You know, They didn't care about the rules. Hey, remember when we went to
0: that park near the urban blight in Jersey City and we spent an afternoon for nothing? That was fun.
1: Yeah, hopefully that never sees the light of day. Uh, Luke, your favorite fighter, Alexander Volkanovsky, caught up with a celebrity this week. His name, Hasbulla, Luke, and he's still about that life. Eat this, bitch. Oh, Luke.
0: You know, I like Hasboula, but I got to say, that's a little aggressive.
1: I mean, he punched Shaq. Okay, this is this is pretty aggressive, Luke. This is basically challenging a UFC champion to, like, you know, do something, right?
0: Next time I see Volkanovski, I'm going to throw a burger in his face. Do you think this, that harm will come of me if I do?
1: Yes. I, dude, I think, you know, watching that that uh, Sunday conversation on Barstool with him, I, I'm pretty convinced, Luke, he, he'll... He'll basically go to like you for the jugular first chance he gets, Luke.
0: We got to get just, we got to get Hasbullah on the RSD couch.
1: Oh, uh, it'd be so good, dude. When he laughs, I just I just feel good inside. Did you see, our boy Ray Flores wore a Hasbullah t shirt to the Ruiz Ortiz Fox uh, PBC pre- uh, final press conference, Luke. I did. That was not awesome. That, no. that was awesome, dude. Um, Luke Valentina Shevchenko continuing to uh, spread her brand. Gracing the cover of this French magazine got this sent in by a lot of uh, a lot of our fans. Luke, ooh la la, indeed.
0: Okay, who uh, you got to say? Oh, wow, okay. Who, you
1: you celebrated the naked chick before. This is not this. You know, guy, look, Luke. She's building her brand. All right.
0: I just feel like Shevchenko uniquely has the like the most inappropriately horny fans online. You ever notice that?
1: Oh yeah, like, yeah. Well,
0: Shevchenko's fans. Shevchenko's fans. When they're not at the Renaissance Festival picking boogers, they're definitely online talking about well, how horny they are.
1: Luke, she has firearms tattooed on her midriff. That's like catnip to yeah. them. What they, all she has to put next is somebody stepping on a COVID needle. Luke, right? Like then, then she'd be number one. <laughs>
0: all right. Yes, then she would be number one. But for sure, of all the fe- like, you think like you know, Page Van Zant's fans are the horniest. No, no, Shevchenko's fans.
1: You know what's weird? Anytime I've ever been involved in a tweet with a WWE person's handle, so like when Big E, you know, would shout us out for being a, for watching MK and by the way, shout out to Big E. Um, the replies come for like months and they're always creepy as heck, Luke. I mean, that's not a surprise, I guess, right? For like the the core wrestling fan base.
0: Yeah, dudes are absolutely disgusting pieces of shit and uh, don't mind being horny horn dogs.
1: No, it's not just dudes. Media. Dude, it's not just dudes, and it's just weird. The responses are just weird anyway. Yeah, All right.
0: People are weird in general, yes, that's true. Yeah. But it's mo—it's mostly dudes being, like, horn dog. Uh,
1: speaking of both Luis Ortiz and Sugar Ray Flores, Luke, the post-fight interview after losing to Andrew Ruiz Jr., Luis Ortiz rocking the free Kane Velasquez shirt. And I don't mean free on price, Luke. I mean, get him out of jail. Your thoughts?
0: Dude, Luis Ortiz has got to be, what, 70, 75? (laughs) I mean, how old is this guy?
1: Dude, he's good. He's still good, all right?
0: Yeah. No, no, he's not a bad fighter, but he's... I mean, this my my man, if he was born here, he'd be collecting Social Security by now, for real.
1: All right. right. All right. Uh, Luke, UFC Fighters in the Wild continues onto the beach. I think this is Brazil. Tabitha Ricci, Luke, didn't have any utensils to uh, enjoy this watermelon, so... She went after it with her hands.
0: Luke, She's in I good think shape. <laughs> oh, that watermelon looks tremendous.
1: <laughs> yeah, well, that's what we're calling it, Luke. Uh, I think this segment has devolved into basically an only pipe show. Luke, we gotta, we gotta probably clean this up. All right, uh, Luke. There was one other shoey in the past two weeks. I know you hate the offense, These but are so um...
0: overplayed. My God.
1: Tyson Pedro got Laura Senko to agree to one. I don't know if you've seen this, Luke.
0: All right, I mean we've seen a million of these. Yes, everyone's drinking out of a shoe. How novel! <laughs> Yay! Can we move the fuck on
1: already? <laughs> Luke Thomas is pissed. Um, you know. I just. Don't, I mean, yeah. can we
0: just can we, can we stop fucking doing this? Just You're like that's so 2019. Yeah. <laughs> it's like okay, we're gross and we do party tricks. All right, what else do we do? Just All right. This?
1: Uh, Luke, WWE had a big clash at the Castle pay-per-view in Wales. I didn't see it. I didn't watch it. I think Ariel was there, More actually. People. Uh, Leon Edwards was also there, chatting it up backstage here with Liv Morgan in front of the uh, UFC and WWE uh, SmackDown titles there, I think they call it. Um, also, Luke, Tyson Fury had a big moment. He was in the front row, and when Austin Theory tried to cash in his Money in the Bank contract... Tyson Fury stepped up Mutombo style to deliver the no, no, no here, Luke. Not in Mutombo House. Come on, you have to remember this.
0: Clash at the Castle? Why is it called Clash at the Castle?
1: I don't know. Oh, boy, Luke. There you go. Knocked him cold, Luke. That's what you get. Now fight Usyk, not this
0: guy. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how people can watch this rubbish, but uh, they do. Luke Real
1: would go on to recognize Real backstage as Leon and Tyson exchange pleasantries. Yep, there you go, Luke. Um, uh, Tyson was weird. He was he, he was like, "Yeah, who'd you beat? The guy that's been champion for ten years, Usman." And Le- Leon's like, "Yeah, yeah."
0: I gotta say, uh, does does the Gypsy King ever look normal? No, no, no. But that's you imagine his, his, that's talking to stick. that. You imagine talking to this guy like at 2 a.m. outside of a McDonald's in the East Village. You'd be like, "What the fuck is going on he's, in my life?"
1: He's like the Pat McAfee of heavyweight boxing, Luke.
0: Yeah, but Pat McAfee was a kicker, right? I know.
1: I know. He's also a pro wrestler and announcer. Uh, Luke. Speaking of real, recognizing real, how about our guy Mike Thomas Brown before the uh, PFL playoffs, catching up with the LK, the Liver King himself.
0: The Natty Liver King? Yes. The fucking 100% Natty Liver King?
1: So are you saying those abs ain't real?
0: I'm... No, the, the, what, it doesn't... It, it, whatever he's doing, I don't give a shit, but, like, just to look at this person who is, you know, quite obviously not natural, and then to present himself my rule is this, BC. You know my rule. I don't give a shit what you do, but just be honest about it. And, okay. you know, Liver King, I got nine ancestral tenants. Well, okay. I mean, which one of those is in, you know... Involved D ball. That's what I want to know.
1: Okay, Mar- Mark McGuire's not here to talk about the past, Luke. Okay, or turn the ball, or uh, yeah. All right, uh, Luke. You know who also reeled and recognized it at the PI? Not Hamzad and Costa. How about Hamzad and Johnny Walker? And Luke, would you say that this Saturday's return for Johnny Walker is must win?
0: Yeah, that's a weird picture, bro. Them two are. Those two are just caffeinated at all times. Yeah. You ever notice that? They're just, yeah. they, got, they got the bug eyes and shit. Yeah, it might be for old Johnny Walker. It might be. I mean, especially, the if, he, Lava, especially if he gets like put away, like, you know. Yeah, it's
1: going to be wild and strike. crazy. Kute Labo will make sure of it, but dude, Johnny needs a win real bad. Um, Luke, this made, you know, headlines everywhere. They even asked Dana about it. The head of Meta, not World Peace, Luke. Wait, what, what's Facebook's new name? Is it Meta? Meta, yeah. Yeah um mark zuckerberg luke he is a um full-time this was
0: such this was such bullshit mma trainer yeah and mark zuckerberg was like this is my training partner i'm like let me explain something to you bubba this motherfucker ain't your training partner he's a ufc level talent you are just a guy he spends time with we'll be very clear about that not well did you see
1: Like, every fighter shouted them out afterwards on Twitter, and, like, they, they had a little, like, back and forth. Like, Conor. I know. It's like, like, like dude,
0: they'll sh- be the first one to be like, oh, Facebook is, uh, you know, suppressing the Hunter Biden story or whatever the fuck. And then, you know, and then, the, the, oh, he, he trains MMA. Well, now he's our favorite. Well, which one is it, guys? Is he responsible for, you know, the undermining of democratic norms across the earth, or is he uh, a fun? People love rich guys. For some fucking reason, they just, oh, he's rich. He can do no wrong. He likes our world. He's great.
2: He's weird as shit, guy, This guy
0: guy sucks. He sucks at MMA, and I don't give a shit if he never watches another thing that we do, so
1: fuck off. Wow. Wow. I think he just, I mean, this guy could shut you down in a second, Luke. He could have you killed without even thinking, Luke, okay? Yeah,
0: not not, not with hand-to-hand combat, he couldn't. I can assure you that. I'll
1: slow your roll on that. I mean, you have to make a few phone calls. He couldn't do it himself, but... Yeah, I forgot what I was. Isn't that
0: weird? This is a guy that they universally revile, right? And then all of a sudden he expresses like modest interest in MMA and like, oh, this is great. I'm like, okay, all right.
1: Yeah, Yeah, that's great. Uh, Luke, time to head to the gridiron. Watch what happened to this high school reporter. Luke, I've covered many a high school football game on the sidelines. You do have to keep your head on a swivel.
0: Oh, they sent big man. Oh, they just pants. <laughs>
1: he lost his pants, bro.
0: Yo, my man, you got to be wearing, you got to wear a belt around those dungarees, <laughs> man. Dungarees, Dude, that's, baby, please.
1: Think about it. it. Him getting knocked over like that is among the most embarrassing things that can happen to you, like at a public football game with, you know, whatever, 500,000 people there. <laughs> Dude, he got pantsed while doing yeah, and
0: it. I bet I bet that's the most contact he's had in, like, 20 years, so he probably <laughs> shit himself and jizzed at the same time, you know? Oh,
1: God. I hope we lose our show because of that comment right there. That's so disgusting. Wow. He's like, um, oh, God. Look, did you know that RG3 has transitioned from largely, unfortunately, mediocre quarterback to an announcer? Do you know that?
0: Yeah. And actually, you know, wait, I'll say, I'll say this much. When he covers NFL football, I'm always like, just shut the fuck up forever, please. But as a college analyst i don't mind him so much
1: he's all right. Dude, right you're always too harsh on that guy man i always loved no,
0: oh no 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 you are not harsh enough that's the problem oh wow
1: well here's his uh here's his new viral call after after a Dude, score. this guy
0: was unbearable to deal with in dc let me except in 2012 but other than that
1: it's an orgy in the end zone it's an
0: orgy in the end zone it's an orgy in the end zone Is it?
1: I mean, he just an, said that on the air. Orgy,
0: is it an orgy? Is it an orgy three?
1: Yeah, <laughs> that's good. You know, that's a that's a that's from the dad playbook. But it, the delivery was smooth. It was you know it was smooth. That was, like,
0: that was a Brian Campbell joke. I'm taking was. your gimmick now. Yeah,
1: I'm real recognized on that one. Look, let's go to AMC Fight Night One Fourteen. This is a Caposa special here. Peter Romankevich face plants zulu zinu
0: so zulu zinu had him in, in an americana and they stood him up apparently the rule in this organization is it doesn't matter what is happening on the ground you get one minute uh i mean my man's out here oh doing the worm I mean, he fell in the worst way possible my god
1: so he's the right? son he, of he, of what ray zulu the dude that fought the gracies right
0: yes yes and he fought in pride for some time and it was you know remarkably terrible um <laughs> and he's done slap fighting everything. Just show the knockout again. My man does the worm. Watch this. It's just the... the only thing that would be more embarrassing is if his pants fell like the guy on the high school track. Ba <laughs> look at this. Just does the. Just does the wall. Oh, Dude, you can't you know?
1: laugh at it that aggressively. Come on, put some respect. I'm not trying to,
0: try to laugh at it, but it does look a little bit like one of the seals trying to get back into the water. You know? Yeah.
1: Look, you ever um. Get deep in the couch in row eight of Delta and watch the local news and be like, Man, this needs more sex. More raw moments.
0: Let's just so let's someone call up club. Ty Emery. Let's get the dick down <laughs> segment going here.
1: Well, we got we got a couple of Ty Emery's in the background of this news update. Norwich City football. That's <laughs> <laughs> I mean, if you're the like, if you're the director in the control room, Luke, and you're not paying attention to the screen, and you look up, and you're responsible for that. Wow! Dude, I gotta
0: tell you what, man. English football fans, they are they I love them. They are amazing. They are a fucking menace, bro. They are a oh, menace. Yeah.
1: Yeah, uh, unfortunately, I think that, well, I'll say <laughs> unfortunately, because I'm sure they're nice at home when they're not doing all yeah, yeah, things Yeah, yeah, no, when people. I
0: say a menace, I mean in the most hilarious of ways. I'll yeah, I was going to say, violence, I think but... a lot
1: of them are MK fans. I think we've we've attracted yeah, that No, no, group. no,
0: no, I mean, uh, that's, that's fucking hysterical. Luke,
1: we saw the guy from Barstool turn a hot dog into a bong last week. The only thing you love, mo- I love more than hot dogs is my morning coffee, Luke, my morning jacket, too. Um, they now have created a coffee mug bong. Your thoughts.
0: I mean, (laughs) so you can take a hit off the off the off of that and then just drink your coffee as well,
1: dude. Yeah. So do you remember? um, Of course you remember uh, Jared Shaw Scala. Yeah, of course. Gary Shaw's son, promoter of Elite XC. When he had he turned it to hip hop. I think he's an artist now, but he turned to hip hop for a bit. Luke and his album was called Coffee and Chronic. And it, I mean, do they go together in your eyes, Luke?
0: I, I'm not a wake and big guy because I have uh, a career, you know. But um, I would imagine <laughs> that they do.
1: I mean, back when I, when I, when that was more of my lifestyle, Luke. Back, you know, 2000 to 1998 to like 2004, <laughs> do not, do Luke. Do, do, yeah, <laughs> 2021, 2003. Um, you know, yeah, I guess I guess it does, Luke. I guess it does. All right, Luke. Floyd Mayweather is is you know a brilliant fighter. Did you ever see him on roller skates, Luke?
0: No, but I'm I'm told he's he loves roller skating.
1: Yeah, not surprisingly, dude, he's a master. I mean, he's a, he's a got incredible footwork and he's got some flow too, Luke. Okay.
0: He's dancing. People love the roller skates, bro. They're back,
1: dude. I was always awful at it like in fifth grade birthday parties you would pick a girl for a slow dance and you'd like walk around like skate around holding hands dude i would always fall while holding the chick's hand luke it's devastating did your, to my did your psyche pants, did,
0: did your pants go around your ankles <laughs> and then you just
1: oh wow all right uh hey luke the island boys are back they're still sparring remember last time they put out that embarrassing um how have boxing they not won
0: a darwin award yet That's boxing
1: video by um, But I still shout those guys out for doing that um, cameo for us when we won the award. I'll, I'll yeah, give they, those- got, they got
0: paid for it, but uh, okay. Uh, well, great. now they're...
1: they're they, they now kickbox or want to be a kickboxer, Luke, so you want to be an ultimate fighter. Check the form on this guy's jeans, Luke.
0: I can't believe these guys have not won a Darwin Award yet. It's just <laughs> how, how, do, how does one of them just like not like randomly, just for no good reason, drown in the bathtub or something?
1: Do you think they get more play at a month? than every one of our listeners have averaged throughout a lifetime
0: probably probably but you know i mean do they have like seven or eight stds i don't know but it's worth thinking about
1: all right look how about we close with some dick and ball humor right we haven't done enough
0: of that on today's show
1: here's an after hours uh happy hour after work and this chick is attempting this move with her boss sitting in the background this is unbelievable live theater here
0: Oh, I got him right in the pills. <laughs>
1: oh, oh, oh. Luke, imagine doing a drunk worm at the at like the after-hours get-together, and then you kick the boss right in the damn dick. That's not going to help your long-term value to the company.
0: And dude, look at this bar. This bar sucks a fat one. <laughs> this is the most interesting thing happening in this bar.
1: Dude, that guy was on the verge of taking a Kodo knee in the background, too, after he got hit there, Luke. He was trying to walk it off
0: wow Hey, could you hey could you put more acs in the window from fucking 1950 in this shithole bar good lord Woo.
1: uh look you ever thought think about how you can combine why well, sounded like a um sorry there like have you ever thought about combining the x games with dicks
0: no i can't say that's ever crossed my mind oh look at these fucking BC, i can't believe that he's white it seems so out of character
1: <laughs> yeah yeah big explosion there off the end of that ramp luke Wow. I mean, could you
0: have more veins on that thing? I mean, what are we doing here?
1: Yeah, come as you are, as you were, Luke, as I want you to be. Okay, is this
0: is this what is this the dicked down that was we were referring to earlier?
1: <laughs> yes, yes. Uh, Luke, let's go to this man performing a magic trick on his wife. Very creative use of magic here. Let's see this sleight of hand and sleight of dong, Luke. <laughs> I mean, it's obviously fake, Luke. You can see the video cut. I thought it would, you know, I thought it might pop you. No, no.
0: I got to say, social media skits and bits, you know, all the people who talk shit about Saturday Night Live, and then you watch, like, Instagram skits and bits, and you realize that, like, all of those criticisms were, if not unfair, largely from people who have no fucking idea what funny actually is.
1: Uh, speaking of ball magic, Luke, one championship put this on their actual Instagram account. Your thoughts?
0: Well, it's a nogi. Oh, she pulls two <laughs> tennis balls. Yeah, that's
1: right. <laughs> you walked right into that. That was great. You're like, well, actually, the technique in it was you know in Peruvian times was called, and then you're like, oh, the chick's got two balls in her hand. Great. This is my career at 43. All right, yeah, that's that's a Luke Thomas original right there. Yeah, I, I'm. This
0: is one of those days where I'm glad my family pays zero attention to what I do in my life.
1: <laughs> All right, Luke. We close in the same category here with this snow angel. As we summer winds down, we get one step closer to the uh, to the winter that's going to be upon us. Look at the unit on that angel, Luke.
0: Uh, please tell me that this moron falls through the ice. <laughs>
1: It really would be the uh, Couté Gras, if you will, Luke. I mean. <laughs> if he would have done that in Crocs, would you have been more upset, Luke? I'm just
0: sad he didn't get hit by a car. All really. right.
1: All right. Well, there's the shit, Luke. I don't know. Maybe we have different tastes. That that was my flavor right there. You know, <laughs> dark just, and lonely. Just dicks right? everywhere. <laughs>
0: uh that's it for us today bc let's remind them let's see we have a friday show saturday we have a live post show monday we'll have a live show and then we're also going to be in la on monday for the formal launch of the silva jake paul fight i'm pretty yeah, excited we're gonna about do a, that
1: we're going to do a live mk episode in los angeles we are going to film some goodies Luke, for the future and um Fans should be excited about this. It's going to be fun. It's going to be a lot of fun. Okay? Okay. Yeah.
0: Um, Um, Go ahead. I'm sorry.
1: I was going to say you can also get 30 days free of Showtime to check your boy BC out Friday night from Atlantic City. A triple header, 9 p.m. Eastern, I believe, is the start time. I hope I get the start time right once, Luke. Showbox, uh, Joseph Adorno. He was on Showtime Championship Boxing. Remember, he lost to M- Michelle Rivera. He's back. He's refreshed. He's new. He's moving up to 140 in the main event against Hugo Roldan. You're going to want to see this, okay? I'll, I'll, I'll be your spirit guide. I'll be your shaman. I'll help you lick the toad.
0: All right. Very good. Um, so there's that as well. So I look forward to seeing that. I want to remind everyone, the Nate Diaz resume review is up. It's ready for your review We put a fair amount of effort into this one, so I really think you're going to like it. It's probably one of the better ones that we've ever done, to be quite candid with you. So please go give that a look. Of course, the uh, AJ McKee interview is up from Room Service Diaries and uh, everything else. Uh, So thanks to, let's see, Showtime and Malka. Oh, one more time, you can vote for us for the World MMA Awards. Put the QR code up there if you don't mind. There it is. And you can go to worldmmaawards.com slash nominees. Get your vote in for morning combat now, whores. Go do that. Uh, and then, of oh. course, Friday's dead wrong, and we'll do fan subs then. Morningcombat at gmail.com. All right. That is it for me. That is it for BC. Thanks to CBS Sports, Malka, and Showtime. We'll talk to you guys on Friday. And until next time, may all of your gains be loyal.